0: welcome to the tech ranch where we explore the world of living with technology get ready to take a deep dive into the latest gadgets apps and innovations with your hosts the guru of geek marlo anderson and his trusty co-host steve botkin join us on this exciting journey and don't forget to visit thetechranch.com for even more exclusive content Now, without further ado, let's welcome Marlo and Steve to the Tech Ranch.
1: You're tuned to the Tech Ranch. I'm Steve Bach along with Marlo Anderson, our guru of geek. And uh, Marlo is out of the studio for a little bit. We're going to talk social media with Jordan. And uh, Jordan, uh, some big changes with X or formerly Twitter. Uh, Elon Musk has been busy. That's right. Yeah, he's always busy, this guy. Always busy guy. So um, what are some of these changes? Because you were telling me there's no headlines anymore.
2: Yes, so X has gone ahead and removed all auto-generated headlines from their site. Meaning if you share a link to their website, it'll show the image and the website it came from, but remove the headline. Um and what this has done or what this is intended to do is uh keep people on X on the platform for as long as possible without clicking away to all their do a little homework and and try to Sort through. It's like, a, what?
1: A, okay, this kind of interests me, but what is it?
2: Exactly, um, and this is happening for all links, um, including news including a- any sort of link unless it is specifically a paid advertisement it just has the photo and the website that it came from so this is going to probably uh lead to a little bit of confusion as far as the spread of misinformation which is a big fear as it is well and photos tend
1: to be clickbait that a lot of people click because of the photos exactly. okay? and so trying to figure out what the photos okay what am i looking at um radio does it uh tsl is is a metric time right. spent listening uh, so this is time spent clicking or, or viewing yeah, browsing. Whatever, or sure, yeah. browsing, whatever they want to call it. But that, that's what, that's the metric he's trying to, okay. Why is that? Why does he want to increase the time on X that you're, if somebody's on the platform, they're on the platform. Right. Uh, but why spend that, that extra time on individual stories, um, do you know where he's going with this? Because we talked in the
2: past about yes. maybe the PayPal platform. Is, exactly. Is that where this is going? So the idea is that unless you are specifically an advertiser, all of the information that you are trying to share to this website gets taken away so people don't feel as uh, compelled to click on whatever it is that you've shared unless specifically you are paying to advertise on the site. So wouldn't that cause people to just maybe try to find a different platform? Perhaps, but I mean, there are so many people that are still locked into Twitter. You know, that right. main platform. But but and we've
1: talked about different the window opening for other platforms, You right. know, you know kind of cracking the door a little bit, and there hasn't been a lot of opportunity because Twitter was so entrenched, right? does this crack that door a little bit for some other platforms to maybe have an opportunity to make some inroads? You
2: know, that's a great question. So since the, the Elon Musk take to- takeover of Twitter, now X. Uh, it feels like a lot of people have abandoned ship because they feel a little bit isolated or they feel a little bit betrayed because the website they've loved for so long is changing. So A lot of that was political though. Of course. And that's, that's kind of the whole thing. And so I think that's probably not far off from what's happening now is that he's established what his fan base is and what the user base is. It's people that really like Twitter and really like drama, or it's people that are trying to build that platform to be something. Something they can utilize for paid advertisements or their show or their streams of any kind. Um, well, and I'm guilty of this, too. It's familiarity. Yeah, it's it's like when
1: I get a new phone, it's like, oh, crap, I got to go through and set the whole thing up again. And it's not familiar with me. And might it, it take there's a learning curve. It takes a while. So there's. That brand familiarity that people will cling to a little bit, or a good segment of people will, that, you know, it's it's what I'm used to, I don't want to change.
2: Right. And I think that's why uh, Threads had such a strong start, but now has kind of halted a little bit because of that same thing. yeah. Um it's because yeah exactly it's it popped off but then fizzled fairly quickly. Um they also rushed it to
1: the marketplace before it was ready. I agree. But, I agree. But again, but they were looking at a small window of opportunity even though they weren't ready and Right. you only get one chance, one shot at a first impression. And they did a poor job of it.
2: I think that's the nature of social media too is that uh your first impression is the only impression because it gets either uh dogpiled and buried or it's the one thing that's you know it goes down in history as a, a a flub, you know, it's a it's a flop of sorts. And threads I kind of think rushed into that window without seeing what Elon Musk was going to do with X as a platform uh altogether. So the fact that he is removing headlines now and is considering a it to be a paid platform soon if threads was rolled out now i feel like they would have a lot more success because of these big changes that are happening in x but since they rushed into the gate rushed out of the gate i should say uh it feels like it's kind of a joke still you know it's it's not as uh it's it's not twitter that's that's the truth it's not it's uh
1: it's about a lot of the social media platforms yeah it's not twitter that's true it's Uh, not x yeah um you know you know threads kind of jumped when they thought they saw a window of opportunity It just they happen to have jumped through the wrong window
2: exactly exactly you know it was a burning building uh and you know but that was the building next door and they're still just jumping for you know the fun (laughs) (laughs) okay
1: so where's x going from here now so i back up a little bit i I still want you to explain this a little bit so if somebody has a well, they still call them tweets, right? Yes. Okay. okay, so if somebody has a tweet and they want to share a tweet or put a tweet out there, what does that look like on the platform for the average user? Because if you're say there's a picture and a caption and a little bit of a story and yeah. and then now there's just the picture and the little bit of a story, no caption, no headline. Um I could see where that would be a little confusing because right. one thing could run into the next, and you're like where's this going so then you have to spend the time to what do you click on the photo to get or is it behind a paywall what, what how do you get the headline how do you, how do you get the the continuity to tie it all together.
2: So, yeah, this is it basically appears like it were uh, like a tweet, right? So, if you were to share a photo on Twitter, it would look exactly the same if you're sharing a link from a website that has a header image, right? So, you can still tweet as normal and you can still share photos as normal, uh, you know, the same way you were. But now, if you try to share a link, any affiliated uh, headline or metadata with that. Uh, link just looks like a photo on the timeline, so you don't even think to click on it because that increases time spent on X, right? So um, the I think the idea is, number one, people are going to scroll past these links that are shared, and number two, Elon Musk really wants people to pay to have their content pushed on X for that same exact reason so he doesn't have to uh, isolate the user base by making them pay for it. So, for example, news outlets, um you know, they would have to pay to have their posts uh, appear with the headline. So now you are getting that information behind a paywall, essentially, right? That makes sense.
1: And the continuity piece is, okay, say a newspaper that tweets out stories or right. a news organization that tweets out stories. Um, continuity matters to Exactly, them. yeah. So having it formatted Otherwise, they're not getting that information out there, right? So, and and they're very, very careful of how they format that information that is disseminated to the public.
2: Exactly. And now with this new update that he's rolled out, news outlets are going to have to pay that premium so they don't. Uh, get lost in a lot of shared misinformation, right? So if MSNBC wants to have a story appear with its headline, they've got to pay the money for that to happen as an advertisement or as a as a, a verified business account so that their information doesn't get buried so the spread of misinformation doesn't happen on their behalf, right? So if you want to spread information to anyone that uses X, what you're going to have to do is become a, a, a paying member of of the X club.
1: So, what does that look like from a celebrity perspective? So, cause I, and I'm thinking sports at the moment because sure. we're into football season. A lot of people follow along with different commentators or different, um, Talking heads or celebrities while they're watching a game, sure, uh, because they want to know what other players are saying or right. about the game, or former players are saying about the game, or different plays or different broadcasters that may not be calling that game, but what are they saying about that game? Right. Would that fall behind the pay paywall as well? Fall down or, the well of pay. Well, yeah, yeah the well of pay. Um, <laughs> does does that go behind that that curtain as well or is that? Are
2: we not there yet? I don't think we're there yet. So as long as they're not trying to share any links to their external website, it really just commentaries. Matter. Exactly, exactly. the same, right? Exactly. And the algorithm is changing slowly as we as we uh, spend more time on the site. So anybody that has a verified checkmark these days has paid for it. Um, uh, so those are showing up on your feed a lot more, even if you don't follow them necessarily. It shows up on your main feed. Um, so. For example, if a sports commentator has paid that price to be, uh, you know, verified, they're going to show up a lot more. But if they're trying to share links to an external website, those are going to be buried a little bit more due to the fact that they don't have a headline. And they're not going to be the interaction is going to go down quite a bit because of that, Um, meaning external clicks and things like that.
1: So when you're looking at the verification side of things, yeah. uh, are we getting to the point where everything's just going to have to be verified at some point? Because I, I spent a lot of time on LinkedIn sure. uh, for some of my other business and work stuff. And um, now you can get verified with LinkedIn. That's right. If I remember correctly, it goes through the TSA or, or the clear. It's clear. Um, so they're just taking it off of the, the travel stuff. Uh, is everything going that direction or no, oh, at, at work here at Town Square Media, we just got the, um an extra layer of authentication through Microsoft something or other, which I got a problem with because uh, they don't give me a work phone. It's my personal phone. Right. Am I, but I need the email. Right. Which, if I didn't need the email, I'd say, screw you, because I'm not putting stuff on my personal device. Right. But... Kind of extorted into it um but is the level of verification on social media apps all kind of settling into you need that extra level of protection and is that going to take the place of the blue check mark or whatever it is because you need to verify because right. this comes back to the lack of well transparency on fake news the tech ranch
0: finally ready let's get back to discovering the latest in technology with the guru of geek marlo anderson so we're
1: talking about algorithms and what you see in your feed a little conspiracy theory going on right now because of taylor swift and Gee, did she show up at a New York Jets-Kansas City game? Because, of course, uh, she's dating Travis Kelsey, tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Did she show up at Jets game because it was good for her brand? Now, the reason is, if you pulled up Taylor Swift, the only thing negative for anybody on there was she travels around. She's a megastar. She travels around a private jet. So if you pulled up Google Taylor Swift and the only negative thing on that would pop up through Google would be Taylor Swift jet. If So if you Google Taylor Swift and jets, it was her private jet and how she flies around her private jet a lot. Mm -hmm. She has to, she's going to like concert dates. Well now, since she's dating Travis Kelsey and she went to a New York jets game, if you Google Taylor Swift and jet, guess what pops up? Uh, there is no mention whatsoever anywhere to be found because it's pushed so far down through the algorithm, so far down on the list, you're going to go through pages and pages and pages of Taylor Swift at a New York Jets game watching the Kansas City Chiefs. So the negative stuff, that or at least the people that perceive it as negative, sure. the negative stuff, it, it doesn't show up anymore. Right. So... Brilliant?
2: Diabolical? Both. Is there something to that? Is it just a conspiracy theory? What's your take on that, Jordan? Well, it's the same thing. I mean, so if you type in Taylor Swift Bears, same thing. Now it pops up that, uh, you know, she was also at the Bears game. instead of Before the Jets, so it looks like, hey, you know, she planned this out. Right. But everybody forgets that she used to be a bear wrestler, but you don't see that anymore. You know what I mean? Really? No. Sorry. It was a joke. And they were endangered. That's the worst part. You have me intrigued. I know. Was it pandas? <laughs> yeah. Koalas? <laughs> Both. Yeah. Both, not bears, and that was the worst part. <laughs> um. But yeah, I think. I mean, perhaps that's true. I uh. I don't know for sure. Uh. But I mean, at, for example, the NFL, they changed their ex bio uh, following Taylor Swift showing up at that game. Right. To it- uh. To. Taylor's version, right? I think that's what it was. National Football, right? And there's a little bit of a blowback on that by fans, by my yeah. football fans, NFL fans, that are like, "Wait, wait a minute! Why are we catering to a mega celebrity?" Right, exactly. It's are we focusing specifically on the Chiefs because of you know their victory? And the NFL came back and said. No, it's it's the internet that's the culture of what's going on right now. So of course we wanted to get in on it. it that was basically a version of 15 minutes of fame. Of course, absolutely and I don't think that's such a bad thing. Um there is a uh, there's a trend right now uh on TikTok where uh for wives are telling their husbands or boyfriends um about uh, isn't it so cool that Taylor Swift put Travis Kelsey on the map and everybody's freaking out? They're like, what are you talking about? He's all the Kansas City Chiefs. And I love that. It's a I think that's a really great trend. Um, so, Steve, isn't it crazy that Taylor Swift put, uh, put Travis Kelsey on the map? It's interesting because Travis
1: Kelsey is also currently and prior to Taylor dating or at least the public knowing. Right. Right. Um, five tv commercials he's everywhere he's, exactly. he's been absolutely everywhere i mean you take a look at uh, the state farm commercials with aaron Rodgers, right okay i don't know of another aaron rogers commercial right now yeah you're right but there's five travis kelsey so from a brand perspective yeah. and gee now aaron rogers is in new york city which is the center of the universe for media right and Travis Kelsey's in Kansas City, which really isn't known for being a big media hub. That's true. They've
2: got the barbecue, so that's
1: good. Yeah, they got the barbecue and, and Boeing plants. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's an interesting juxtaposition, and it's social media. Now, now, throw on top the Taylor Swift stuff, and but Travis was on like five TV commercials because he's personable, he's he's kind of the face, Aaron's waning and now that he's injured, but I didn't see all those TV commercials other than the State Farm, which is a long-term contract. Sure. I didn't see a lot of other TV commercials prior to him being injured. I mean, you would have thought that From an NFL perspective, because the NFL loves their players on TV commercials. It's true. Um, They love that brand. And and you can be a little bit older brand, because take a look at the Manning brothers. Yes,
3: exactly. Take
1: a look. You can be a little bit older brand, and it won't matter. So... Where do you think the social media plays in with this with the Travis Kelsey? I mean, is it just 15 minutes of fame and the NFL's capitalizing on it? Or is there a conspiracy theory behind that too? Cause tell you what, if you Google conspiracy theories around Taylor Swift,
2: there's a lot of them. That's true. That's absolutely true. The thing is, Swifties, Taylor Swift's fans, they're undeniably the most obsessed fan base of all time Uh, you know it's it's true that it is completely completely bananas anything surrounding her so the fact that it has infiltrated the NFL is not a surprise to me especially because that's kind of her thing she dates all of these people uh, and they end up in her songs and then they end up ridiculed by all the Swifties maybe maybe that's it Travis Kelsey just wanted a song written about him hey you know what (laughs) that's that's a great way to do it yeah if Taylor wanted to write a song about me I'm in yeah absolutely same Absolutely, um, um, but 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 think about so think about
1: it from a branding perspective. Yeah. So the NFL in sports, right? And you can argue a little bit about some soccer over in England and sure and, and some of those sport teams, but the NFL or even the NBA because it's a a global, but more than anything else, what's mattered to the NFL is their brand. Absolutely, the shield. That's what it's about. It's all about that. And they've done the best job of anybody monopolizing that on a global space. Absolutely. So it's interesting. Maybe this is where a lot of people are, are kind of fired up about this. It's kind of interesting that, oh, this megastar comes along, and now this iconic brand, the Shield, so easily is sucked into that universe instead of... They're, they're standalone. They're, they're they're on their own two feet. You can't screw with them. Uh, they're too big to fail, whatever you want to call it. But, oh, wait a minute. Now the NFL
2: Swifties. So I, I think this is interesting, right? So if you think about Super Bowl commercials, everybody has been talking about Super Bowl commercials. Oh, they're going to be different this year, though. Right, exactly. Um, They've changed a lot in the scope of what has been happening with football and social media and the nature of that.
1: Whether Taylor and Kelsey are dating or not, there are going to be at least five or six Super Bowl commercials that Taylor Swift is going to be in.
2: Absolutely, or at least her music, for yeah. sure. As a matter of fact, uh, one of her, her song Welcome to New York, was featured in a commercial following this this Jets game. So, same thing. It's exactly that thing where it's already being capitalized upon. Um, the thing about the NFL is they're doing the thing that all social media um influencers and stuff are doing right now for example like if you think about wendy's their social media presence is so sardonic and sarcastic they uh comment on people's stuff they make funny posts where that beef exactly those so yeah i don't know i think they're just following the trend maybe it is the 15 minutes and maybe it'll amount to nothing but
1: so from a marketing perspective they'll think about this so you've got the nfl that has their brand and now you've got taylor swift over here that you've got a connection to so what would the nfl do from a ratings perspective to have all these swifties now following the nfl now being nfl fans at least following the kansas city chiefs yeah but and they don't need all of them to stick no if they get five percent of that population base to stick with the nfl brand they just created the next generation of NFL fans.
2: I totally agree.
1: So when you're looking at a marketing perspective and how those algorithms play out
0: and everything on down the line, it's absolutely brilliant. The Tech Ranch Super Talk. Tw- tech Ranch, as we explore the cutting edge of tech with Marlo and Steve. For more exclusive content, visit thetechranch.com.
1: You can't always believe what you read in any social media. That, that's one of the problems that social media has really gotten into. Um, you know, deep fakes, fakes, deep fakes, bad information. Call it what you will. There's a lot of it out there. Um, Meta and X have really gotten into some issues on, is it a question of verifying the information, Jordan? Or is it a question of there's so much out there you can't keep track of it all until it's reported?
2: Or how do you avoid all this misinformation? Um, So for the deep fakes and things like that. So basically there is a lawsuit that is being proposed uh, against Meta and X to label any deep fakes, anything that is artificially generated uh, for any political reasons or just advertising in general to be labeled as such, that it is artificial intelligent or that it's not accurate or real. Well, I knew about the artificial intelligence, but then
1: some of the accurate and real stuff, do you trust the people that are supposed to be doing the fact-checking? Because that was one of the things, a lot of this stuff really sprung up presidential election right is where a lot of this came from and exactly it, it you could post that donald trump looks orange and fake news fake news fake news they it, it, it pop up all over the place <laughs> I, but th- that's how far it gotten so politicized so how do you trust it how, how do you is that what this lawsuit's going to address um because again do you trust the fact that somebody somebody could throw out well i don't like that so it's
2: misinformation is it So that's, I think that's the big question. So Google, uh, they recently, uh, not getting sued. They're not getting sued because they were the first company to say, Hey, you know what? We're going to put labels on anything that is a deep fake. For example, you can make a video of yourself, but then superimpose Tom Hanks over your own face and make it look and sound like Tom Hanks is endorsing Colgate, for example. Exactly. Right. So and if that's not true, and if it's not real, how do we suss that information out? Because it's getting a lot better. You know, even Snapchat filters are looking more and more realistic uh, these days. So it's 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 hard. But Google says that they have a process implemented to figure out what information is accurate versus inaccurate. At some
1: point, it's going to get to where the only one I trust is the fact that James Earl Jones is Darth Vader. That's true. Uh, and beyond that, how do you know?
2: Right. And it's and that's kind of the big question is how are we supposed to know what is real, what is fake? Um, and I think that, I mean, th- this is the the mess that Twitter was in before, right? So they had everything political, everything related to COVID nineteen that was flagged and tagged as either this is not verified information, and there was a like a big banner or, right. or
1: there, this j- is j- Just a blanket over all of it, and it, it's kind of cover bases. But okay, but if The fact checkers aren't factual or it it brings into more questions. You know, you take a look at the First Amendment issues as well. Exactly. And, okay, take a look at what just happened in California. Uh, The California Supreme Court ruled that the state was in violation of the First Amendment because the state of California had thrown this blanket over any health care provider, doctors, nurses, anybody, pharmacists, anybody that did not speak what the state health department said was, this is what you talk about when somebody comes in to ask about COVID. So there was no freedom of speech with the medical community in California. And, okay, that also infringed on HIPAA laws because that relationship between a patient and a doctor or healthcare care provider, right. paramount. So the state of California usurped that both that and the First Amendment. Do we run into the possibility of that happening with social media? Because I, I, I first place I go back to, and I'm gonna date myself here, is I remember back in the day when cassettes and CDs, so I'm dating sure. myself right there, um, had to have warning labels on them, if for content, exactly. for, for the material. Is that kind of where this is going? Because it seems like we already went through that and it didn't work.
2: So I think – so the thing with Twitter is that they've always been a company that has exactly they, – they started a small and they expanded – without ever losing that super small mindset and what that did is they dug themselves into a hole by being a private company never going public never going public and staying small um, so they missed out on a lot of opportunities to grow and integrate better processes in their algorithm in their everything that was prior to Elon Musk taking over exactly so what happened with the now Captain Innovator comes in the misinformation the spread of misinformation and tagging things as misinformation without actually verifying that that was a complete i'm going to throw a blanket over this fire and hope it puts it out right because it was uh there were not a company that was equipped to deal with a global viral pandemic or even a presidential election to the scale that it was right because of how much social media has grown uh people's opinions and things like that right so if you can't verify this thing factually we're going to put a tag on it um and i think that has a lot to do with how people perceive this lawsuit moving forward with X and Meta now, they're like, well, you know, Twitter, you know, they couldn't provide real information on it. So there's skepticism involved in it with it. And that makes sense. Yeah. But
1: throwing a tag on everything just because you either don't have the resources or you're too lazy to verify something or do the homework on it uh, just to cover your bases as a business perspective, right? That's not a solution either.
2: You will see things in articles, so if you Google a particular thing that's a current event, you will see a lot of websites reposting the exact same article, word for word, even if they're not affiliated, even if they're different websites. Is Taylor Swift dating Travis Kelsey? Right, exactly, yeah, totally. So, it spreads so quickly from outlet to outlet, even if it's an outlet you trust, so to speak, that completely is dismissed these days anyway, because if you have an article, you need to put something out, you'll pick it up. And that's it. And you run with it. And that's how this information, whether it's factual or not factual. Well,
1: and that's the danger side with social media. As exactly. To former mainstream media, which was about the reporting. It was more important to be right than be first. That's right. Now with social media, it's way more important to be first, whether it's factual or not. Exactly. And, and then there's another component on there. And this is the other fascinating layer. Remember that game? Um, you get like 10 people and you tell a sentence to the first person and then by the time it gets to the last person because you're supposed to repeat it through and it's not even
2: close to what the original sentence was telephone telephone that's it that's it social media has become telephone i wish it was uh, as as wholesome as telephone you know you so can say so no <laughs> you can say elephant to the first person and have it be you know fire extinguisher by the end of it yeah. because people have you know they mishear it they misunderstand it and i think that's actually a really good way to say it is that We don't know what we're talking about 98% of the time, but we present things as fact because we read it from a a verified, quote unquote, verified news source.
1: Or or better yet, we perceived it from a verified or quote unquote, verified news source.
2: Exactly. You can glean information all you want. You can skim an article and be like, I know the facts when nobody knows the facts yet, you know, and that's the danger of social media is that everyone is entitled to their opinion, which I think is great. But when it comes to people of note and people that claim to have all the answers or be an authority on something once they start spreading this information whether it's true or not either they're going to uh isolate the people that they you know that once trusted them for news or they're going to just continue to spread this information whether it's true or not so
1: when you go back and look at the ability to spread information, right? And if you're just looking at it in that vein, it's like, okay, this is information. You, we're gonna throw all information out there, and you get to glean what you want out of that. Exactly. We're not gonna have that trusted or verified component to it. It's just information,
2: right? Believe what you will. Um, that takes it to a different plane. It does. I mean, so if you look at the, the Google algorithm, depending on what you look at and what kind of content you're constantly looking at across most all of your entire Internet browser, Google is going to take that information and give you results based on what you've been looking for. In the past, what this has done is it's made it really easy for uh, Republicans to only get right-wing news and democrats to only get you know leftist news you know what that goes back
1: to is so you make assumptions by the information that you, so given all the information and you make your own assumptions exactly and again back to the game of telephone right uh you're making those assumptions and conclusions unfortunately out of some of those assumptions right well now you've got the algorithms making assumptions so it's assumptions on assumptions on assumptions No wonder this goes askew so quickly.
2: That's right. I mean, I think we should bring back the days where there's a kid outside. What happens when you assume? So I can't. You say. make an ass out of you and of me. All right, I can say. It. I uh, yes. Uh, so I, I think we should bring back the days where there's a kid outside with a newsy cap. You flip him a coin, and you get your newspaper, and you have to read it all that way. This instant gratification isn't working out so well anymore because of the spread of information not true when it or comes not of factual news. That's true. Well, but but take a look at the mainstream news sources as well. Right. You know, TV networks.
1: Um. Traditional newspapers. Right. Um. It, I know newspapers ten years ago that. Um, in the face of losing out to digital. Right. They shifted how they report the news. Right. So they became news creators because they would write stories based on advertisers. Right. So they're chasing dollars. So now you're no longer a credible news source in my estimation. Um, Mainstream media has kind of done the same thing. Pick a network. Right. uh, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox uh cnn MS, they all what are our advertisers paying us to write right what are our advertisers paying us to report on what's the slant on the story that our advertisers to continue advertising with us would like to see or hear right That's dangerous.
2: And I think the lack of transparency around that, it's not required in a lot of cases to be transparent about what your source is or what uh, conglomerate is paying you. But transparency would fix a lot of these issues, uh, being honest as to what uh, other motives you have.
1: But now let's look at this. There's almost a symbiotic relationship that's taken place. You take that mainstream news source, uh, that formerly credible mainstream news source. Sure. And... It feeds the social media. Social media spreads that like wildfire. Right. So it feeds that. Social media also feeds back to the mainstream media. Exactly. Because they're going, what do people want to hear? Right. Because now it's about clickbait. That's right. Because clickbait equates to dollars.
2: So you have news reporters standing next to a large screen TV pointing at tweets that are coming in live live from us and getting filtered by their producers. that's not news no it's not news but that's such a but it's on the news exactly it's a big part of what news looks like today um it happens in sports a lot in that regard i like it i like watching uh you know uh any sort of halftime show for example and they're going through and they're seeing what people are saying about the game as it's happening that's great but now that it's being presented as fact in real formerly credible news you know outlets i think that's becoming a problem where all of it is becoming glamorized and all being pushed in the way of entertainment as opposed to actual news because there is so much content to create created the, it, it's entertainment
1: right because i find it very entertaining going oh look at the tweets they're running through whether it's a sporting event or a news cycle story right. or and I'm like oh okay but people have this dangerous affinity because i remember my grandfather if it was in the newspaper it was gospel that's right um if you see it on the big screen it's gospel it's fact at that point it's got to be it's got to be because it wouldn't be up there if it wasn't that's true so now you've got the consumer right making assumptions so it's assumptions on assumptions on assumptions on assumptions on assumptions okay yeah what gets lost in all that the truth
2: Right, and is there a truth to begin with? And right. to chase that truth is, is time spent uh, that you don't have anymore because you have to have so much content out, right? But unless Shaq and Charles Barkley are going to be doing the news, period, all of the news, all the I'd time. I'd be good with that. that i be not interested. They'd be entertaining. Exactly. I, I you would know. like that. Um, so
1: going back to the X and Meta potential lawsuit right. with the deep fakes. What's that going to look like? Because you got Google that supposedly already, you know, we fixed our problem. Right. But what's the, what's the intent? And what's the outcome of a, of a lawsuit with X and Meta?
2: The att- the intent is to not have information spread by deepfakes. For example, oh, political ads. That's the main thing that they're focusing on. And the outcome, I think, is a lot of people making deepfakes in spite of what uh, is, is you know uh, is being asked of them. So I'm not really sure what's going to come of it, but I'm going to keep monitoring it, and uh, hopefully, it's hilarious. Well, then you throw the AI component on top
1: of that. Right. Okay. How how? <laughs> All right. So we're already waiting in muddied waters right how much muddier do the waters get before it's just you're in quicksand
2: we're gonna have to wait and see honestly
1: uh, i it, it's it'll get to the point where it's not navigable i so brings up a better question at what point does the whole social media platform construct crash and burn because people have zero faith in social media the Tech Ranch. Super Talk 127.
0: Tech Ranch. Let's rejoin Marlo and Steve as they guide us through the fascinating world of technology. Hey, everybody. Marlo Anderson
4: here, your guru of geek. Uh, Steve has been wanting me to share a lot of the interviews that I have done at CES over the last couple of years. These are great. The first one is called Michael. interviewed them last year so two of these three are from last year and i'm kind of bringing them back because they're so amazing michael they're using mushroom protein from mushroom to create foods and it's not what you think it's very interesting i tried some of their cheeses some of the i had a chili excellent Uh, the next one on the list is the boring company this is actually from this year It is the tunnels that go underneath Las Vegas, uh, like the Las Vegas Convention Center, and expanding now, I actually rode in one of these, and you can hear how that goes. And then the last one is SkyDrive. This is the future. This is uh, cars flying. And uh, a little hard to hear maybe because we had to wear masks, but I think you're going to enjoy the interview too. Thanks, everybody, for joining us this week on The Tech Ranch. crazy things can you do with mushrooms? Now I'm not talking about the psychedelic ones here. I'm talking about what's possible in the food realm. So Alan with Myco has joined us today. Alan, what you guys are doing is incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I know I've teased
5: people a little bit already here. So tell me a little bit about what you guys are doing. You know, what we're doing is very different. And what we're doing is we've created a food processing platform that allows us to remove bad tasting things in plant-based ingredients through fermentation. What we do is use a very complex organism, the root system of mushrooms. And it looks like we're brewing beer, stainless steel tanks to the ceiling, and we put different plant-based ingredients in. And instead of adding a bunch of sugar, salt, and fat to cover up bad taste, we ferment those problems away and it allows us to make better for you products. So we take things like pea and rice protein. You mix them together and you do that because there's different amino acids in each one. Because what you want to get is what's called a complete protein. We are a B2B company, so we make an ingredient and we work with other big food companies to sell them an ingredient that they can make things like plant-based meats, uh, uh, plant-based dairy, so you think about cheeses and yogurts and milks and burgers and chicken, but all from plant-based, no meat products. So what do you see in the horizon with this technology? You know, where I see this going is we will sometime this coming year uh, have a new product out that instead of improving pea and rice protein through this fermentation, we will be able to grow the mushroom biomass, which is the root system of the mushrooms, as a complete protein. And we're really excited about it. It's 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 kind of the holy grail of what we've been working on, is how to get to that point where we have a highly sustainable form of protein that uh, can be produced, In about seven days. So a cow takes a little longer than seven days. Uh, You can uh, produce this in a week. By the way, where's my chili? Chili is hot and ready to go. Not only do we have the chili, but we have our plant-based cheese to go with it. Oh, I'll have to go check that out as well.
4: At CES 2022, this is your guru of geek, Marlo Anderson. you hear the phrase, as the crow flies, right? Meaning that it's the shortest distance in the air to get someplace. Well, Elon Musk has a little bit different philosophy with that. And he started the Boring Company a couple years ago, probably not one of his more famous companies, but the Boring Company is exactly what it sounds like. It actually tunnels underneath places. All right, so to give you an idea about how large the boring equipment is that they run underground, this is the actual cutter that was used to bore the LV loop. Very, very cool. You can see that it actually gets damaged a little bit as it's going underground, and they're able to replace these as they need to. So here in Las Vegas, they decided that they would actually create a series of tunnels underneath the Las Vegas Convention Center and put Teslas through them because they don't emit any obnoxious gases. And they run these cars, as you're seeing behind me, through these tunnels to transport people around the Las Vegas Convention Center. At this time, they're actually expanding this now to other hotel properties in the area and Rumor is that someday you'll be able to take one of the Boring Company's Teslas from the airport to anywhere in town. So it'll be very interesting to see how this develops, but they are actually working It's part of the LV Loop. So you can go to lvloop.com. You can go to theboringcompany.com to find out more about this very ingenious way to get people around. I'm Marlo Anderson, your guru of geek, coming to you from CES 2023. been thinking about what the future of transportation looks like well I have a leader in this in this field right here Dr. Mark with SkyDrive and uh, really appreciate you being on the show today so tell me a little bit about where you're at right now with SkyDrive and where you think things are going in the future
6: okay well the vehicle you can see behind me right here is um, that's our uh, technology demonstrator that flew in 2020 a uh, one-person eVTor machine And that was really just to prove, okay, we can get this thing flying safely. Now we're very busy right now working on the certifiable product, which will be released in 2025. And that will be a leisure and tourism, two-seater, quite modest range, but the main thing really is to achieve that type certificate. Get the safety in there, because that's by far the number one thing. Did you ever think in your lifetime that you know, when you were
4: younger that you would actually get to a point where we would actually see flying cars?
6: Funnily enough, yes. Well, yeah, I mean, very good. I knew, I, I still know it's going to be difficult, but it—it's one of those goals and dreams that that yeah I've always had, and, and it's great that there's now an industry and an ecosystem supporting that idea, and we can drive things forward. And the diversity of um, our competitors is amazing, and. And it's great it's great to see so many different solutions and different use cases and it is a dream that, that hopefully we can bring bring to reality. So you've talked to your test pilots what are they yeah. what, how do they feel about this technology So there I mean the, the formation of SkyDrive really has been from uh, come from the drone industry mixed with automotive guys and then I, I was the first person first with sort of deep aerospace background but now we're bringing in more experienced aerospace guys. And it's great to see all the different approaches to this type of vehicle. And our test pilots, they just love the challenge every day of of sort of seeing how the control characteristics of this type of vehicle vary depending on weather conditions what the system's doing and then the feedback loop into the design team and how we can make the improvements and make it a a truly easy to fly system, but above all, a safe system to fly, which isn't just the the redundancy and reliability, which of course is in there. It's also things like the the human-machine interface because SDL5 in 2025 will have a pilot on board. As you probably know, most accidents happen because of human error or human-machine interface.
4: So this is the future of transportation right here at ces 2022 this is your guru of geek marlo
7: anderson
0: if you have any questions or want to suggest topics for future shows visit thetechranch.com and send us your thoughts You can also listen to past episodes and watch exclusive interviews not featured on the radio show. Be sure to follow Marlo and Steve on social media by clicking the links at thetechranch.com. Until next time, keep exploring the world of living with technology.
1: The Tech Ranch Super Talk 1270.
4: Welcome to October 7th, 2023 in the National Day Calendar. Today, we are celebrating the essence of true beauty and the joys of embracing the great outdoors.
8: We as people often get caught up in external appearances, but today it's all about appreciating what's within. I know I'm definitely guilty of that. Inner Beauty Day reminds us to focus on the kindness, grace, and positivity that emanate from within, overshadowing the external attributes. It's a day to reflect on our own inner beauty and recognize it in others. So let's radiate love, kindness, and compassion, making the world a little more beautiful.
4: I really like this day. I, to me, it's just about being kind to others. That's what I, it's for me, I guess, so.
8: And I think it's looking beyond.
4: Yeah, yep, I agree. And it is a wonderful day to step outside and appreciate the beauty of the world around us because it's play outside day. Whether it's playing a sport, going for a walk, or just enjoying the fresh air, it's about reconnecting with nature and reaping the benefits of being outdoors. So make some time to step out and immerse in the beauty and tranquility of the outdoors today.
0: It's a beautiful day to go outdoors. Let's play outdoors. It's a beautiful day to play outdoors.
8: So this morning I went on a hike and it was just—it was amazing. It was right when the sun was coming up. It was—it was beautiful.
4: So, uh, is it like a a playful experience when you're out hiking?
8: It is. is like, usually I go with my daughter and we'll race.
1: KLXX AM, Mandan, Bismarck, a Town Square media station. Broadcasting from the VIEW Community Credit Union Studio.
9: Here's the latest from ABC News. I'm Dave Packer. President Biden to speak from the White House after today's surprise attack on Israel by Hamas. Palestinian commandos crossing the southern border and bringing hostages back to Gaza, including Israeli soldiers and civilians. ABC's Lama Hassan at the foreign desk with more on the strikes by Hamas.
8: They say they fired more than 5,000 rockets and long-range
1: missiles, some of them slamming into cities in southern Israel. And you can see thick black
0: plumes of smoke in the air, residents trying to take shelter wherever they can.
9: ABC News producer Bruno Nota, north of Tel Aviv, says schools and non-essential businesses will be closed.
4: Tomorrow, at least.
6: The uh, Israeli military has issued
4: a state of emergency in all the Israeli territory,
8: which is up to 50 miles north of uh, the border with Gaza. This area includes Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, the biggest cities in in the country.
4: Here at home, extra
9: vigilance. From New York to L.A., police departments are now increasing patrols around Jewish institutions and places of worship. In New York, the NYPD counterterrorism and intelligence division says it has increased patrols. Here in Southern California in Beverly Hills, police say they've increased security and are working with law enforcement partners in the region to ensure public safety. ABC's Alex Stone in Los Angeles. Chicago officials say they're struggling as up to 25 buses of migrants arrive in the city each day. Their mayor now planning to visit the border. Border towns and major cities feeling the strain from a surge of migrants. Mexican officials now reviewing video showing hundreds of migrants rushing to enter the U.S. Aid groups at the border saying they face a humanitarian crisis. ABC's Derek Dennis, New York City Mayor Eric Adams, who's touring Latin America, will travel to the Darien Gap today as part of the last leg of his trip, one of the big ways to get from Central. South America. You're listening to ABC News. Super Talk 1270, Bismarck Area Weather.
10: With your forecast, I'm Corey Hartman. For today, look for mostly sunny skies and a high near 63 degrees. It'll be a little bit breezy. Tonight, mostly clear, 41. Sunny with a high near 60 on Sunday. Frosty Sunday night with clear skies back to the low 30s. For Monday, sunshine and a high of 55. Are you looking for a new place to live, stay, shop, or play? Check out Worthington, Minnesota. It's worth a look. Right now, it's 58.
4: This is McGruff the Crime Dog, and I need you to help me take a bite out of crime. Counterfeit products are popping up everywhere. If you think buying them is harmless, think again. Counterfeits are usually made with hazardous and even lethal ingredients that could harm you and others. And the money you paid, it goes right into the hands of criminals. Remember, if you don't know where the products came from, how could you know where the money goes? You're smart. Buy smart. Go for real. Learn more at mygruffpsa.org. This
9: message is brought to you by the United States Patent and Trademark Office and the National Crime Prevention Council.
1: It's all about the pets. Steve Dale's Pet World.
3: Saturday afternoon at 4 on Super Talk 1270.
9: Portions of the following program are pre-recorded.
0: Welcome to the Tech Ranch, where we explore the world of living with technology. Get ready to take a deep dive into the latest gadgets, apps, and innovations with your hosts, the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson, and his trusty co-host, Steve Botkin. Join us on this exciting journey, and don't forget to visit thetechranch.com for even more exclusive content. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Marlo and Steve to the Tech Ranch. Joining us this afternoon, and
1: uh, okay. I, I, some people just don't learn. So, you remember when Coca Cola rebranded to the new Coke? Yeah, failed miserably, right? Yeah, but it turned out pretty good for Coke, though. It did, but there's actually some people that like new Coke. I don't, yeah, I don't know. They can just go drink Pepsi, but uh, <laughs> what it tasted like, but now. If you go back and think about the history of Coke, it's kind of funny because you and I were talking, and I didn't realize um, that both of the original ingredients for Coke are not in Coke anymore. Mm-hmm. Of course, we all know the one; it's where it got its name, cocaine. It's just it, that's not in there anymore. Although people used to be more productive, I don't know why. Um, <laughs> but uh, Chris, the other ingredient was the the cola nut. Cola nut, yeah, yeah. That was, that, that was part of the. Um... Part of the formula. Formula, I think it had to do with the caramel coloring
3: and it added some of that flavor to it. I'm not entirely sure why they got rid of it, but, you know, over time, ingredients got cheaper, so they went with the cheaper ingredients. Right. You know, that's why in North America, they use corn syrup, and in Mexico, they
1: use sugar. And everyone says Mexican Coke tastes better because it's real sugar. Right. Well, if you think about it, that's why Mountain Dew came back to the Mountain Dew with sugar Mm -hmm. rather than the the corn syrup as well, so you you can still get that can on the shelf. Um, it's funny too because different. Do you say popper or, or soda? I say soda. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm a bad Midwesterner. It's pop. It's pop. It's it, soda is what uh, you use for baking. I've always said soda. Okay, all right. Soda pop, I'll give you. But I, I, anyway, so um, I don't want to start a fight. I digress. Um. But if you could travel around the country and, and they all taste different mm-hmm. between the United States and Mexico or Canada, even those little tiny Canada cans, uh, over in Europe, um, it's all different. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's subject somewhat to shipping and supply chain logistics and what products they're sourcing for the different components. Right. Yeah. I was, I'm actually writing um, a paper on Coca-Cola
3: right now for my master's degree on um, a branding class I'm taking and there's actually a a frequently asked questions on Coke's website about why does Coke taste different in other countries and Coke's official comment is is that it's not different Um, it's the same syrup um, but carbonation differences sources of water and people's own perceptions and storage can affect what it tastes like so the base formula is the same worldwide, but just those minor variations in what you're using for a sweetener, what you're using, how much carbonation
1: is there, what temperature is it stored at, can all affect taste. Well, I know the carbonation side, and then uh, there's a certain component of preservative in there as well, mm-hmm. which plays into that uh, shipping, the logistics. Are you close to a plant or are you not? Um I I kind of found this out the hard way in, uh, down in the Dominican Republic one time, and I had an American beer instead of a local beer, and went, huh, because, and I found out later, it's because they have to ship it so far, you could actually taste the formaldehyde in it. That's <laughs> probably not the healthiest. You know, that happened to me when I was living in
3: Japan. My dad was Air Force, and... The pasteurization process for domestic Japanese milk is a lot different oh, than yeah. the United States. So the, the big thing was, is like, you should probably avoid drinking Japanese milk, not because it's bad for you. It's just that the American gut isn't not used, used to it. You. And so they would ship um, milk from the States. But it takes so long to ship things, the milk would go bad. So a, a lot of the milk on the air Base. this is the early nineties. You're all getting buttermilk. Yeah. It was all reconstituted. It was powdered milk, powdered milk reconstituted. And I, that's when I started drinking skim milk because the fat content was so much lower that skim milk tasted less like Frito chips. <laughs> and, but at the same time, they developed an ultra pasteurization process. So you had milk with a 90 day shelf life. Oh, wow. So they could get it. We could get it straight from the states and spend about a month on the boat, about a month in uh, customs. And then you had a month on the shelf. So when that stuff showed up in the, in there, we would be getting, Oh, it came in, get on your bikes, go down, you buy us three cases and we store it in our freezer. (laughs) Wow. You know what else they say
1: or smells like Fritos? Mm. Fritos chips. What's that dog feet? Dog feet. Dog's feet. Hmm. Your dogs must be walking different places than mine. No, it, it's just, it's the way the sweat glands are. I researched this because I'm like, why do dogs' feet smell like Fritos? All right, so uh, getting back to the Coke, because we're a little off track there, but uh, getting back to the Coke, um, AI Coke. Yeah. So I saw artificial
3: a- intelligence Coca-Cola. Yeah, I think, um you know, thanks to, I didn't know about this, but thanks to the writer strike being over, the late night talk shows, this was one of the topics of the discussion their first week back that Coca-Cola has developed, Uh, I'll get the the statement correctly, from their website, Coca-Cola imagines year 3000 with new futuristic flavor and AI-powered experience. So it's basically the Coca-Cola Y3000, zero sugar, co-created with human and artificial intelligence by understanding how fans envision the future through emotions, aspirations, colors, flavors, and more. So it's like, what do they do? Change the recipe using AI? Well, I mean, I've seen some weird stuff with AI and recipes. I mean, there's this one place in New Zealand, um, that said, okay, oh, just pl- plug in your ingredients in your fridge and it'll give you a recipe. People are taking that to the extreme and saying, okay, I've got ant poison. I've got marmite and I've got this and that's giving them the kookiest recipes. <sighs> but you want to get for your mother in law, I guess the AI is strictly for the artwork on the can. So, they used this artwork to come up with like a. So, it's kind of a virtual reality. Yeah, it's a violet, magenta, and cyan silver futuristic thing. Your pop can can be anything you want it to be. Yeah, there's a QR code on the can, and there is an app they're calling the Coca Cola
1: Creations Hub. Well, I've I've actually seen the QR code on uh, wine bottles. Um, You can take a scan the QR code on a wine bottle and it'll tell a story Mm -hmm. um i think like 19 crimes is one of those and they tell the crimes right yeah that that you you could have celebrities that would talk on on a bottle of for whatever product they're that uh that
3: 19 crimes that's an australian brand i think and they have like actual criminals on there yeah and i think the criminals actually they'll talk to you yeah the pictures go all harry potter on you yeah yeah it's crazy stuff it's kind of cool yeah. The QR code gets you to this creations hub and then you can basically run your photos in your phone through an AI filter to see what your photos would look like a thousand years from now. And it's supposed to be targeting that dead Gen Z market. Um, and I, so I thought it was just interesting. Um, one little side note I'm seeing too is that they're using a specific, um, photo data set from stable diffusion which is one of the ai modules out there that does photos and there's still that big controversy over these ais are being taught using copyrighted material Ooh, so here's bad. so here's coke I thought they were supposed to address that using it's still not quite addressed yet mm-hmm. um i think then that's a topic for maybe another time but Because it gets to be more complex than we can really resolve in this section. It has to do with fair use and derivative works and all that jazz. But yeah, so the question is, is Coke running afoul of copyright laws because they're using a copyrighted taught module? I don't know. Um, Yeah, the same thing where ChatGPT, OpenAI is being sued by the guy that wrote Game of Thrones and John Mitchum. No, not not Mitchum, Grisham. Not not Grisham. No, the go. No. Robert Patter, uh-huh. the guy that wrote all the uh, Alex Cross novels, James Patterson. James Patterson. Yeah, yeah. because these AI, as you say, give me a prequel to Game of Thrones, and it will basically regurgitate a book using copyrighted
1: characters and whatnot. So, how is that affected? So, is is that in part because AI is so far ahead of Legal statute, or yeah. are, are there things in the books that they just haven't caught up to or figured out how to address yet? It is some, it is maybe I could probably summarize the legal issues in just a little bit
3: because I'm, I'm an armchair expert in copyright law. Um, the courts have long ruled that but under copyright law, the original copyright holder gets to control any derivative works. So if you take a novel and turn it into a screenplay, the original author has some ownership in that screenplay because it's their original work. Right. Um, where it comes down to is this question of fair use. But there is no... Fair use really comes down to is it criticism? Is it educational? Is it some sort of different way than was originally asked authorized? And so... It comes down to this idea of transformative nature of the work. Uh, This has affected like Andy Warhol um, taking up or the Hope photo um, that was done during the Obama campaign. It was an AP photo. Another guy came and he colorized it and turned it into this poster. And there was a question is, did he violate the copyright of the original photographer or is it a transformative work? And the courts have never really settled on one answer. I think if I, if I remember correctly, the guy that did the Hope poster got away with it. Andy Warhol got away with
1: the, some of his other stuff. So it's really an open question. You know, Andy I'll Warhol work, though, it's what is it anyway? <laughs> yeah, all of this stuff is it's kind of open. Yeah, it, it. So how long before you think some of this stuff is settled from a legal perspective with copyrights?
3: I think these curtain court cases might be the, um, the result. I mean, just this last May was a, another case with Andy Warhol and a photograph of prints from the early 80s and some prints that Andy Warhol had done based on that photo. And in that court case, the Supreme Court had really played down this idea of transformative nature of a change and focused more on the derivative side of things.
1: Fascinating stuff and, and where it all shakes out. Who knows? Uh, But uh, they do have a lot of work to get to where they're trying to go. If
0: they even know where they're going yet, good question. The Tech Ranch. I'm Stephanie. Tech Ranch. Let's rejoin Marlo and Steve as they guide us through the fascinating world of technology.
1: With the writer's strike finally wrapping up, um, you know, one of the things that, or the primary thing that uh, they were striking about was the artificial intelligence piece. You know, and, and studios, hey, we can create somebody. We don't need an extra, or we can have an actor run through a bunch of stuff once, and then they're done. And you know, I, I, I've asked this question before: Are we going to have actors in the future? Um, um, I don't know. <laughs> I, it, 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 you know, if you think about James Earl Jones with his voice always, and figuring out the the copyrights, and and his estate will benefit ad nauseum, because he's always going to be Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was the first one in, got it done. And right. now yeah. it's like, well, where it's at now, it's like, well, do you have to have him to even be Darth Vader? No, artificial intelligence could do that. Right. Uh, so that's what, basically what the strike was about was, hey, we would like to continue to have jobs. Uh, we don't need chat GPT writing jokes um mm-hmm. people have value right and i think the
3: question about what we're going to do in the case of people like james earl jones or these new issues with somebody taking robin williams likeness and kind of recreating him in ai um both from a moral and a rights perspective i mean Robin williams's daughter is upset that people are taking your dad and basically turning him into this ai creation and yeah tom hanks hawking a dental plan on instagram but it's an AI, at Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. That stuff's still pending because the
1: actors haven't ended their strike. You know the one that was around that I really wish would be here to, to give his take? George Carlin. Yeah. You <laughs> would have some interesting perspectives on this. Yeah, but we probably couldn't air halfway. Uh, most of,
3: yeah. But with the writer's strike, a lot of people say, well, they went in with these lofty goals on AI and residuals and everything like that. And they got most of what they wanted. When it comes down to AI, I get in a nutshell what it is: is that much like AI cannot works cannot be copyrighted because it's a computer. The an AI cannot be credited as the writer. So if studios use AI, and I think this is probably where it's where it makes more sense. It's like okay, I'm going to use AI as my prompt generator. You know, give me scenarios for jokes, give me scenarios for a screenplay outline. But then you hand that off to a writer to say this. Under the old way, the AI would be considered the original author, no copyright. The writer would get no credit for any work they did to that. So now it's like, no, if you hand me an AI-generated script and I do anything to it, I am now the writer, not the AI. So they want on that. Um, the studios can't force writers to use AI in their creative process and it can't be used as a substitute. You can't say, okay, I'm going to use ChatGPT as one of my writers and I'm only gonna hire four of you when I would have hired six, that kind of thing. So on one side, they, they kind of made progress, but I think it cut down the middle of the road because AI is gonna be part of the creative process going forward as a, like we use it here at the office.
1: I use it to generate ideas for radio scripts for the national days. So when you're looking at, it brings up a whole myriad of different questions. So first of all, i would like to see the credit that hey this was an ai mm-hmm. um just because personally i think people have the right to know and view or listen to their content accordingly mm-hmm. yeah and i think that part of the deal was is that if anything is generated by ai it has to be labeled it yeah touch. label it denote it whatever mm-hmm. It's it it's, <laughs> it's kind of like those uh Content warning labels back on CDs and cassettes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Here, here's the sticker for you. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part of that is there's nuances, and I don't know if AI at what point they'll get to the the nuance side of things because mm-hmm. within human vernacular, they're where you because this is where I've seen some failings on uh, some of the stuff I've played with and is you know, which syllable stressed in a word or a sentence mm-hmm. and and that inflection of a voice. For the human ear, that tends to lend a great deal of emotion or content or context um, in the spoken word. Mm-hmm. AI's not really good at that yet. No, and I mean, we use... Um... So from an actor's perspective or a writer's perspective, right. it, it, that's part of their craft. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the delivery. I
3: mean, you could say the same line three different ways and yeah. emote differently. And three, mean, three entirely different meanings. Absolutely. And really, I think what's going to come down to is what are the courts going to say? Um, in this deal with the Writers Guild, um, if a screenplay writer, if their content is used to train an AI, they have the right to sue now you used my copyrighted work to train your AI. And that goes right into this issue with George R. R. Martin and James Patterson suing open AI over the use of their content. I'm kind of torn because the AI companies, their comment is, is that, listen, how do humans learn? We consume content and we try to replicate what we've learned. So if I want to learn to draw a cat or paint a cat, I look at a ton of pictures of cats, and then I teach myself how to draw a cat. Have I violated the copyright by looking at all these pictures? Only difference is, is the computers can do it a lot faster and consume a lot more content. And probably stay in the lines. I couldn't do that. Uh, that's true. Same thing. It's like, look at a lot of these pulp fiction, fan fiction in particular, using copyrighted characters to write new books in the Harry Potter universe or Twilight or whatnot. I read a lot of things. My style is going to be pretty much based on what I have trained myself with. I write in the style of Shakespeare. So I've read a lot of Shakespeare. I write in the style of um, JK Rowling. I've read a lot of Harry Potter. So really comes down to it's so much so fast that we're just not catching up. The laws
1: aren't catching up with it. So, we mentioned the writer strikes over, but the actors are not. Right. So initially they came out in support of the writers. They didn't have work to do anyway, so you might as well walk a picket yeah. line, right? Because um, you need the writers. So they're not done striking yet. So through the process of understanding what the writers were striking about, what are some of the issues that the the actors have come up with because they're kind of in the same boat. It's like, hey, we can film you once and we're done with you. Yeah, I think there's that issue of AI likenesses, uh, this whole issue of deep
3: fakes, whether or not you're using it to deceive or to parody using AI-generated extras. Um, it's not just the name brand stars. It's it's that character actor that's always in the back, background of um, a movie. Um, have you ever heard of the Wilhelm scream? Mm-mm. If you listen to like Jaws or Star Wars or anything like that, Indiana Jones, there's this iconic scream that happens when anybody falls off a bridge or they get thrown into the water. It's this same sound that was generated back in the 30s. I think the name of the sound is Man Eaten by Crocodile. And actors love it. I mean, producers love it. George Lucas and just used it. He used it in every single one of the Raiders of the Lost (laughs) Ark. And so it's called the Wilhelm scream. So at the same time, it's like, do you come up with like, the actor's version of that, an AI version of that, where, oh, we're going to take this one guy's likeness and he's going to be a Where's Waldo, maybe like Adam Sandler movies have like the same five actors in them usually. Right. Do you just replicate those actors and just pop them into any movie now? Do they not have a job because they're always- Technology-wise, you could. You could. Uh, So I'm not sure exactly where that's going to go. I think the writers got most of what they wanted. A lot of it, though, is not so much about the AI. It's about streaming. Uh, it's like, how do you calculate
0: revenues and how, what do I earn from my streaming services? The Tech Ranch Super Talk Twelve, 12- she comes alive. Let's dive back into the conversation with Marlo and Steve, and don't forget to check out thetechranch.com for more. So it all comes
1: back to content when you're talking about uh, streaming services or you know a Hulu, a a Netflix. They're all. Doing a ton of content, so the ability for them to AI content coming out of their ears uh, has a big big impact on on their service the the content they provide, which leads into well what's the cost of that content because if you're paying actors and a production crew, that's going to have a different cost than hey it's just computer generated everything I needed in an hour and a half and we're done right. Big cost, and that, but that also drives the cost of the service, the premiums on the service as well. Is there a balancing point or a, a tipping point or um, what's the most beneficial for consumer versus the companies that are doing this work uh, versus the actors and writers that are coming up with this? Is, is, I mean, at some point, is there going to be a streaming service of nothing but AI content. I don't know. The biggest question there, I think comes down to this issue of cost is that
3: the studios that own these streaming services, they're not very forthcoming with what their revenues are. They keep it very vague for their shareholders and um, talking about subscriber numbers and things like that. One of the deals that was and how where that comes into it in a traditional movie or a television show, you have revenue. You have ticket sales, you have advertising revenue that you can actually track and say, you know what, this show made $100 million. And so the writers, and the actors, they get 20% or here's the box office receipts to prove it. Right. With streaming, it's like you take some sort of a blockbuster show. Let's take Yellowstone on Paramount plus big hit. People are binge watching that thing in an evening or a weekend. How do you track the revenue for that for one one person viewing at it? So the studios have now agreed to share some of their confidential revenue data with the Writers Guild so they can better account for, well, this show's really popular. If this show was on CBS, you'd basically give me a bonus based on the amount of revenue it generated because it's popular, but
1: you won't do that because it's on streaming. That was well, the biggest question. And that brings up another question, too, or another point is, you know, if you're going to a theater to watch something, it's one person, one ticket, and that's trackable. If you're, because pay per view kind of ran into this a while back uh, when they were in their infancy uh, for boxing matches and different mm-hmm. sporting events, um, wrestling. Um, how many people are watching? So you pay one price, and then how many people are watching that viewing? Mm-hmm. So if you're at a theater and you're paying eight dollars for a movie ticket on special night, um and everybody's paying eight dollars times a family of four, that's twenty-four dollars or thirty-two dollars. So if you're streaming it, it's like, okay, nineteen ninety-five, and you could have 12 people in the room. Right. watching it. So I have no idea how you track that. There's no way to track that. No.
3: And I think that's where the problem comes in is that. On a a of circumstance, a blockbuster movie would get you an extra cut of the proceeds. But when it's streaming, there's really no way of figuring out what that extra cut should be. So I think this is a small step towards getting there. Um, because like I said, studios have been holding these revenue numbers really close to their vest, And I think it has to do with something like, I haven't seen the actual agreement, but one article I read said, well, if it's 20% higher on a per viewer basis so, than normal, we will give you an extra cut of whatever. And really, again, this is just for the writers. Um, it's really making sure that the writers have a way to Cross check what the the studios are saying about how successful a particular streaming series is. Um, ultimately, you got to get down there. But like you said at the start, the studios are just going to raise the price of the service. Netflix is already talking about bumping up theirs again. Hulu, uh, Disney Plus is talking about going to an ad supported tier. Um, as opposed to the premium one, Peacock's already got an ad and a premium. Um, Amazon's talking about starting to charge people for the ad-free versions of their videos. Um, I'm more than willing to watch some ads. It it could be pricey, but, you know, my wife and I got rid of cable. So we're already paying a fraction of what cable cost um, for our streaming service. So you got room to play with.
1: Yeah. So it's like, and we're also benefiting. But again, that's also why you cut the cable, too, because, because you cost. Yeah. So, at what point is the cost? Or, you know, here's here's a problem I have with the streaming services is there's so many of them, mm-hmm. and the content gets sprinkled out, and trying to find the content that I want to watch that's a job in itself. So, I'm going to watch something tomorrow night. Well, I'm going to spend tonight trying to find what I'm going to watch for tomorrow night. It 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 it, it it's a little loop. Um, But then the cost of the streaming services, because if you're going to watch this show on Hulu and this show on Netflix and this show on Paramount Plus and then there's the Disney Channel and Prime and eventually you can be right back to the cost of cable. Right. Um, I look at um,
3: like I think Amazon has a way you can add channels. So you have Amazon Prime and Prime Video, but then you can add on AMC hallmark all through the amazon prime umbrella much like apple sells subscriptions Mm -hmm. uh to these services as well or you can get them separately um my wife loves the hallmark channel for like the christmas movies and we subscribed to the hallmark channel one year so she could watch them but then i found out oh those are all on peacock let's just ditch the six dollar one we were paying to hallmark and just get a peacock subscription Sure, we'll watch ads, but... Okay, then how does Hallmark benefit on that, though? Well, it all comes down to the same way that um, Disney Plus and uh, Paramount work. Viacom owns Comedy Central, BET, Nickelodeon. Those are all under the same Paramount Plus umbrella, so all these other brands get looped under that one streaming service. Um, HBO and Discovery merged, and so you have all the Discovery Channel shows plus all HBO shows under this new max umbrella
1: right so at some point though now are you limiting content um because there's going to be more acquisitions there's going to be I mean, eventually there could be three or four companies that mm-hmm. own it all yeah because all the content is really bifurcated right um look at
3: uh, the big bang theory um it was on cbs during its original run mm-hmm. but the production studio means that it's only available on HBO max. If you want to stream the big bang theory, it's not on the paramount network. So it all comes down to who was the original production company, ah, uh, um, for that and owns the syndication rights. Um, yeah, it's, we could run a situation much like we had with cable where there's going to be this consolidation and all these umbrella companies are all going to be under the one umbrella. Um, I don't know when that is because I would love to not have to have all these different subscriptions. I was actually pretty pleased when the Warner Brothers folks and the Discovery Channel folks did their merger because now I don't have to pay for HBO Max and Discovery Plus. I've got it all in one. Because to me, it's not so much how much I'm paying. It's like I don't want to have to go to a different app every time I want to watch a different well, And that's part
1: of the thing. problem, too. It's like you get all of these apps up and you're like, okay, well, let's. Because my wife and I will do this. We'll, we'll go, okay, let's search through this. Mm, there's nothing. Uh, how about the. Mm, no. Uh, okay. An hour later, we still haven't found anything to watch. Time to go to bed. I, it's just, you know, one of the. Going back to the movies, though, um, you know, and my wife's lazy. I love going to a, a big blockbuster film at a at a big screen go to the theater watch it it's the immersion experience a little different she's would rather let's just make popcorn and watch it at home because it's cheaper to watch it at home by the time two mm-hmm. people go to the theater and you get the snacks and everything else and if you need to go to the bathroom you just pause it it's just okay I like that part Um, but I like the theater experience mm-hmm. she would rather be at home and watch it at what point because I noticed the models changing for theaters At what point are we not going to have theaters at all anymore? Because you take a look at some of these blockbusters that come out. Top Gun, for example. Great. It's in the theaters. And then two days later, you can stream it Mm -hmm. for a cost. I, I actually know people that will go to the theater, buy popcorn, and then go home and watch a movie. Yeah, I I know somebody that way too. Because there's a new movie out, but they launch their theater popcorn. They'll go get the popcorn, take it home, and boom. Which is probably kind of nice because you can wash your hands and all the butter that is on it. Mm -hmm. Um, But they'll go home and then watch that blockbuster movie instead of watching it at the theater. Right. And I think that the problem there, that comes down to this question
3: of how do you track the revenues? Um, When the Black Widow movie came out with um, Scarlett Johansson, they released it in the theaters and on Disney Plus the same day and that caused a really big dust up is that yeah okay you're basically eating into all of my revenues because now you're just giving it away for free to all these subscribers that's cheaper than some buying a ticket and suddenly you've got 20 people watching it at a watch party you know Um, so I think that's one of the areas where the, the, the actors and the writers really have a a point is that our traditional revenue streams have changed. If you're going to change how you're distributing the content, how we get paid for our product needs to change with how you're distributing it. And that's still where the jury's out.
1: So what do you see the model becoming in the future? Is it going to be, you know, okay, so I've got cable still and uh, mid-continent. And mid-continent's gone to basically streaming now it instead of the you know I don't need the cable. <laughs> it's like cut the cord. Mm-hmm. Uh um, it still attached to something, but it, it no more cord. No no more cable cord. Uh they've changed their model. Is that the model it's all going to is just it that digital platform and it's gonna be streaming and different apps and different services. Um whether you're going through your cable company or not. Is or is this just a stepping stone to where it's going to get eventually?
3: And I don't know. About a decade or two ago, there was this whole concept of why is cable so expensive? I'm paying for all these channels I don't watch. Mm-hmm. There was an argument that all a la carte. I want all a la carte cable. And the, the argument the cable companies made was if we allowed you to pick and choose what you had in your package. Couldn't afford it. We couldn't afford it because then we wouldn't be able to give you the golf channel or the history channel because nobody watches those well i watch both of those but that's me that's the point it's like pick whatever niche market right there is for a channel
1: those niche channels wouldn't have a place well and a lot of them have been bought up by you know the consolidation side Mm -hmm. of things so when they're selling them to the cable companies they're bundled as well Mm -hmm. so you're you're going to get so coming in from the to the cable companies, you're going to get this bundle of, okay, you can carry this, this, and this, but you're also going to carry this and this for one price. Right. And then that gets passed along to the consumer. And then you, Same then you get into those fights where you're trying to
3: renew the rebroadcasting contracts where Midco has to basically... Hey, we don't have CBS for a month and a half. Right. Because yeah. they want more money and we don't want to pay them. That kind of thing. Um but with the internet, these niche channels, they don't need the cable companies anymore. No. They could set up a YouTube channel and just start pushing the stuff out there and rely on the YouTube advertising. And if they're
1: popular, boom, they're going to get it. Yeah, I switched over to Midco TV so we don't have cables mm-hmm. anymore. It's, it's its just, it's all streaming and Wi-Fi in the house. And I lost the military history channel. Really? Yeah, that's not part of the package anymore. Huh. I'm like, what happened to there? I, I, I did... Uh, Gain BBC America though science, Star Trek movies. They're, they they all Star Trek. Yeah, British people. I'm looking
3: forward though. At, um, yeah, I don't have BBC America, but um, I hear Doctor Who's coming to Disney Plus.
1: So, ooh, that could be interesting. I, just in time of the 60th anniversary. Yes. Well, that's probably why it's coming to Disney mm-hmm. Plus. Is they're gonna do a big push around. Right. Uh, actually, I heard they're also Disney's looking at making some new movies. Oh, with the Doctor Who? With Doctor Who. Yeah,
3: that, I think it's the whole thing is that the BBC still gets it first. Right. And then it jumps across the pond like the
1: next day. Yeah. But, hey, we, at least we get it. That's right. It's Whether you're a Doctor Who fan or not, but it's... I, I, I Actually, I'm looking forward to the movies. I, I, yeah. I, I like the franchise. Mm-hmm. The geek in me. Mm-hmm. So what... Uh... So more likely costs are going up. that's the bottom line, right? It, it's just that's where we're going to go, and uh, you know whether you're on streaming service or cable, at some point the market will dictate where the tipping point is the tech ranch super talk 1270
0: we're thrilled to have you with us as we continue exploring living with technology alongside marlo and steve hey and welcome back
4: to the tech ranch everybody this is your guru of geek marlo anderson and i hope you're enjoying this special segment of the tech ranch these are interviews that i conducted during ces over the last couple years Mostly from this year's. Uh, I'll tell you if some of these other interviews uh, later in the program are from earlier years. Last one, of course, Doctor Actor with the bionic limb. I hope that inspired you to what is possible, what is coming, as far and what is already available, right, for people who maybe need a little help replacing a, a limb, so or or what have you. So it's really interesting. How the world of medicine is changing. So, we're going to go on again to Dr. Alexander. He start, kind of started the show. Uh, we're we're going to move into another thing that he's working on. And a lot of people are concerned about drones. And, you know, there's a whole industry springing up around anti drone. You know, what do you do to prevent uh, invasion into your private spaces, surveillance? Uh, Maybe even uh, warfare, and he's come up with a, a very unique way to disable drones. So the conversation, and you can see it's 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 going to be, you know, we're, we're going to be picking this up. Uh, he's actually, as we're talking, because again, this is a video that we're converting over. But as we're talking, he's actually assembling this drone blocker that he has developed. So that's what's going on. He's talking that through and and also, you know, talking about why this is an important thing. And I think you're really going to enjoy this. You know, this is uh, certainly a top-of-mind topic all the time as drones become more and more prevalent in our lives and their ability to do amazing things but i also think that there's a lot of concerns by a lot of people as to the nefarious things that are also possible and all you have to do is turn in the news uh, any given time and you can hear about those type of things that are going on across the world it does make our you know our soldiers are probably you know we're not putting a lot of a lot of people in harm's way when we're at war, at least our own people. So there are those advantages. Uh, but of course, if we're under attack by drones, there's a, that's a whole nother thing, right? And you could even say that, you know, as we start moving forward with large gatherings, I think about you know some of the large things we have just that go on in our neck of the woods, Uh, But there are people, there are large gatherings all the time. So municipalities, it should be part of the arsenal that our law enforcement carry with them. Uh, So it's really important, I think, to hear what Dr. Alexander has to say. And uh, I hope you enjoy this video converted to audio from CES 2023. This is the Tech Ranch.
11: Imagine you're at a Montegrà, and a consumer drone flies overhead, and this little powder drops into the crowd, and it's anthrax. Who do you call? The firefighters, police officers?
4: Probably are- not anthrax busters like Ghostbusters. Seriously? Yeah.
11: Seriously? Yeah. The reason the reason why this is important for municipalities to actually pay attention to this is because th- these are the threats that companies like ours are helping you face in the near future because you can't fight tomorrow's threats with yesterday's weapons. The, the obstacle of a human or the, the thing that is a, is a problem for human is the fact that they can't affect anything above 14 feet. That means you can't shoot water at it, you can't throw something at it, it's coming at you at 60 miles an hour, and it can fly as high as two miles up in the air. After it's already dropped its payload, so how do you go after that person? Well, you have to you have to develop your mobile assault. So this mobile assault directional antenna allows us to go ahead and discombobulate a drone. Uh, we shoot a directional frequency ar- array that. Spans out uh, about 180 degree at its at its uh, the end of its nose cone. We have we also have a, a laser scope uh, with digital zoom, so that you can effect effectually identify the drone and just point and push in that direction, and the drone will go to safe mode. Um, Literally. Um, The the controller of the drone has no further control of the drone once it's uh, interfacing with this. So when it goes to safe mode, what happens to the
4: drone at that time? Does it just go home or just drop out of the sky? It
11: does not go home. Uh, The safe mode right now brings the drone straight down. Straight down and it has to avoid obstacles on the way down. So it's the safer way to do it. A lot of other drone deterrent systems either have a netting uh, projectile solution or something like that, but... What you've just eliminated um, was something that actually caused another problem, because if it had a payload, say it was carrying a bomb or anthrax, and now it's falling out of the sky, you have a rock falling out of the sky on something that you can't, you can't protect, right? So our idea was to first connect uh, with, with frequency, uh, diffuse the frequency of the controller, And then our further attempts of uh, drone deterrence was taking it a step further. Now I can detect the drone in our airspace and by frequency augmentation, we can actually now take control of it. So does this, actually send some type of warning to your smart
4: device or whatever that allows you to know that there's a drone in the vicinity that then you can take action to? How does this work?
11: So this uh, this is uh, like an AWAS for, for drones. So it's early warning, um, ordinance detection, right? So you actually, you, this is almost military grade, right? So uh, the way that you would build one of those domes this is what this was built for. Uh, we've done tremendous amount of studies uh, around the wind and the air that was created around those drones because they, they put off a, a different signature than that of a bird. So uh, it was a tremendous amount of study here. We find that this is going to be the apparatus that will assist in arenas, stadiums, public places, uh, large events, um, schools, you name it. Any place that had uh, a designated no-fly space requires this. Is this reasonable enough that people could purchase it for for
4: themselves
11: too, or is this basically for governments, municipalities, that type of thing? Well, most of the most of this level uh, equipment is uh, built for municipalities, uh, minor governments, um, FMS, if you will, foreign military services, uh, and. They'll get the they'll get the bigger they'll get the bigger uh, value out of it right now, but it's also a trickle down value to the citizen if they have that in space, right?
4: This is your guru of geek, Marlo Anderson, coming to you from CES 2023.
0: If you have any questions or want to suggest topics for future shows, visit thetechranch.com and send us your thoughts. You can also listen to past episodes and watch exclusive interviews not featured on the radio show. Be sure to follow Marlo and Steve on social media by clicking the links at thetechranch.com. Until next time, keep exploring the world of living with technology.
1: The Tech Ranch. Super Talk 1270. This is Outdoor Issues with Neil Roberts and North Dakota Game and Fish Outreach Biologist Greg Gullickson. A lot of crop coming off and temperatures are starting to chill, Greg. And with that, our waterfall season is in full gear.
12: Absolutely. The waterfall season in North Dakota for residents kicked off September 23rd and for non-residents September 30th and also the season for swans. And you would have had to have drawn a tag for that. That opens September 30th. Now, with the waterfall rules and regulations are a little bit more confusing than a lot of our others and hunters may take up to six ducks. So this includes mergansers and there's the following restrictions. You can have five mallards of which two may be hens, three wood ducks, two redheads, two canvasback, one scop one pintail. Mergansers are included in the total duck limit with no species restrictions. Hunters can take an additional blue-winged teal September 23rd through October 8th. The hunting season for Canada geese will close on December 16th in the eastern zone and December 21st in the western zone and also December 29th in the Missouri River zone. So if you plan on hunting waterfowl in North Dakota, make sure and brush up on those rules and regulations. They're all available on the Game and Fish website gf.nd.gov.
1: All right. Good stuff, Greg. And hey, we'll have more on waterfall when we come back
0: sip, savor, and enjoy at the Sertoma Seltzer and Beer Fest Saturday, October 7th at the Flickertail Gardens with over 20 varieties of beers and seltzers plus a little wine too enjoy live music, a taco bar, axe throwing cornhole, and much more the event is put on by the Minot Sertoma Club where all proceeds stay in the community so mark your calendars for October 7th and secure that $50 ticket at eventbrite.com now don't miss the Sertoma Seltzer and Beer Fest for good times and a great cause
9: At Trinity Health, we're dedicated to helping people do more. We're here with exceptional physicians and specialists committed to your well-being. We deliver the latest advances in cancer, heart, orthopedic, neurosurgical, and women's medicine. In emergencies, our Level 2 Trauma Center is ready with life-saving care. Together, we're doing more, so you can enjoy all the promise of a lifetime lived well. Trinity Health, making more possible. To learn more, visit makingmorepossible.com.
1: Talking waterfowl hunting today on Outdoor Issues, and Greg, a lot of hunters use a boat or watercraft to hunt. Now, aquatic nuisance species is a concern and an important reminder,
12: right? That's right, and hats off to those folks that help in the summertime with those aquatic nuisance species to clean, drain, and dry. But also, if you're going to be using a watercraft in North Dakota for hunting, make sure and abide by those aquatic nuisance species regulations. Good stuff, Greg, and that'll bring this report to a close. Until
2: next time, I'm Neil Roberts. You've been listening to Outdoor Issues, brought to you in part by the Sertoma Seltzer and Beer Fest on October 7th, by Trinity Health, making more possible, and by Bowen's Barbecue Smokehouse and Grill in Minot. Now catering.
1: Dan Bismarck, a Town Square media station, broadcasting from the View Community Credit Union Studio.
9: Here's the latest from ABC News. I'm Dave Packer. President Biden speaking from the White House after today's massive surprise attack by Hamas on Israel. Today, the people of Israel are under attack, orchestrated by a terrorist organization, Hamas. In this moment of tragedy, I want to say to them and to the world and to terrorists everywhere. The United States stands with Israel. Officials on each side giving the death toll. More than 200 in Israel and wounding more than 1,000, close to 200 dead in Gaza. And not just rocket attacks, but on the ground, Palestinian militants breaking through Israel's heavily fortified border.
7: Eyewitnesses say the militants gunning down civilians both at close range and in drive-by shootings, thousands sheltering in place, terrified. The Israeli army says they're fighting those militants in over 20 locations. In one community, militants holding 50 Israelis hostage. Jordana Miller, ABC News, Jerusalem.
9: ABC News contributor Mick Mulroy, former deputy assistant defense secretary for the Mideast, and on the possibility of Iran and its Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps helping in the assault. The attackers came both by
5: ground, pickup trucks and tractors. They came from the sea. They also came from the air and paragliders. Um, likely something that some kind of special operations component, potentially the uh, the Quds Force, Uh, from the IGC could have helped plan. I don't know that. That's just speculation as an analyst and somebody who's dealt with uh, these groups before.
9: Meanwhile, here at home, a firestorm over our own border, a surge of migrants. The Biden administration facing pressure to act, announcing a stunning reversal clearing the way for the construction of nearly 20 additional miles of border wall in South Texas, despite Biden's campaign promise. And just this week, President Biden saying he does not believe the border wall works. I can't say I don't like it. I'm not going to do it. The White House saying federal law requires they use funds put aside for border wall construction under the Trump administration. ABC's Derek Dennis. This is ABC News. Talk 1270, Bismarck area weather. With your forecast, I'm
10: Corey Hartman. For today, look for mostly sunny skies and a high near 63 degrees. It'll be a little bit breezy. Tonight, mostly clear, 41. Sunny with a high near 60 on Sunday. Frosty Sunday night with clear skies back to the low 30s. For Monday, sunshine and a high of 55. Are you looking for a new place to live, stay, shop, or play? Check out Worthington, Minnesota. It's worth a look. Currently, 63 degrees.
1: News talk and sports for Bismarck Mandan
3: Super Talk 1270
9: Portions of the following program are pre-recorded.
0: Welcome to The Tech Ranch, where we explore the world of living with technology. Get ready to take a deep dive into the latest gadgets, apps, and innovations with your hosts, the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson, and his trusty co-host, Steve Botkin. Join us on this exciting journey, and don't forget to visit thetechranch.com for even more exclusive content. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Marlo and Steve to The Tech Ranch.
1: Hello, Mr. Botkin. Good morning or afternoon or whatever day it is, Mr. where afternoon. And wherever you are listening. Yeah. But yeah so. <laughs> it could be anywhere. <laughs> yeah, you know, my anywhere. week has been so screwed up. Uh, it just, I, I, what day is it? It must be Saturday or whatever day we're on. So it's one of those things
4: where, in the world that we live in nowadays, I mean, right now I'm in Vegas, of course. You're back in, in Mandan. And, you know, we're able to put together a little bit of a show and we're busy all the time and still somehow or another, because of technology, we get to do this every week. How fun is that? It is so much fun.
1: I won't be playing without being in the studio with you, but... Well, I won't argue. I think it's fun when we're together,
4: but uh, hopefully I found a quiet space here in the convention center. I know you're probably going to hear a garbage truck occasionally or some other truck rumbling in the background, but at least it's not the noisy
1: convention center. Or a car wash, or my car wash. <laughs> we, we do have a car wash next door to the studio, and sometimes that gets a little loud. It's I, uh, we won't even go there. I just laugh. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, what,
4: what do you do? We were first, though. Just want you to know we were first. We were okay. the studio was first, and then the car wash showed up later. It's how
1: it is, right? That's okay. There, there might be a new studio somewhere on the horizon. That is true. That is true. That's... So sure. all right, so let's take. So, a that. so, so Mr. Anderson, you're now. Yeah. We're, we're actually on video screen here, so you're now illuminating. I'm illuminating. You must have turned a light on or something because you're you're lit up, so I can oh, see. White right. glasses that your computer screen is now bright.
4: <laughs> oh, it's probably the reflection from my computer screen coming <laughs> back to me. Exactly. That's hilarious. That is hilarious. <laughs> So illuminate us, Mr. Anderson. Yes, yeah. Well, I'm just, I want to talk about uh, artificial intelligence a little bit again. This, to me, is very interesting. So OpenAI, right? OpenAI, the founders of ChatGPT and Dolly and all this other stuff, they are now
1: looking at creating AI chips, computer chips, artificial intelligence. So not not like tortilla chips or, or chips for dip.
4: I'm sure that I know you're I know you're enjoying some amazing chips over there which I'm kind of jealous, well yeah, yeah, they have uh no. the the challenge that they're having though is the logistics side of it, I guess that i I actually think that's probably not a bad idea because I don't know if I'm ready for artificial intelligence to be built into it yet,
1: okay, so what? Just hey, All right, we have to step back a little bit because i, I have yeah. some questions uh what would make a chip because a chip is just a piece of you know for processing purposes uh what would make a chip ai as opposed to a regular chip and <laughs> would this be the chip that they pulled out of the arm from the terminator to create skynet I knew we were going
4: there and of course that's what it is. So I mean the chip the chip is actually my guess would be that the chip will have intelligence on it. You know, it won't be just a when you put a chip into a computer, it's just there to process information. It takes information from a hard drive, you ask it some questions, it puts it all together, creates stuff, right? This one will actually already come out with programming built into it. Uh, in an artificial intelligence type of way, so you can ask it questions if you want without having to have a, a server behind it. I'm I'm guessing that's what they're talking about here.
1: That's interesting. I, I'm having conceptual moments here. Right. I think that... Uh, all right, I'll catch up to the article right here because I should have had that open before we started talking. Okay, so, right. so when you're looking at a chip that's... in t- so is it safe to say an intelligent chip rather than a smart chip? Or would, would that be a better way to describe it, an intelligent chip? I, I think that
4: would be a better way to describe it, yeah. You know, so that I'm just going to read the second paragraph of this article. The company has not yet decided to move ahead according to recent internal discussions described to routers. Routers? Reuters? Is it Reuters? It's Reuters. 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 I knew I was saying it wrong. I'm sorry it's early here yet and I'm in Vegas right so it's long nights however since at least last year it discussed various options to solve the shortage of expensive AI chips that OpenAI relies on according to people familiar with the matter these options have included building its own AI chip working more closely with other chip makers including NVIDIA and also diversifying its suppliers beyond NVIDIA so it sounds like it's more of a logistics issue they
1: already have AI chips I didn't know this. This even scares me more. Well, so what goes into an AI chip? I mean, because uh, a chip is basically a silicon wafer, and and it, it's stamped yeah. and it, it processing in it. And it, what is it still the same components uh, as the silicon wafer that that makes it an AI chip? So I would say yes to all of your
4: questions. So, I mean, you, yeah. I mean, there's obviously differences between an AI chip. So the AI chip thinks for itself. I mean, that's really what it boils down to, you know, where a regular processor has to have information to process it first. So it comes with some intelligence. I hate to use the word intelligence, but I guess that's what we're talking about here, right?
1: Well, artificial intelligence, its that's AI. I mean, so, when when you, when you and I are born
4: or anything in the animal or plant kingdom, there's a certain amount of intelligence that comes with that, right? I mean, you know that if you cry, somebody might feed you, you know, or what, whatever it is, right? So that's what I think. I mean, it comes with some intelligence built on well, it. And then... And then learn better things.
1: Better way to describe as instinct. You're 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 born with a set of instincts. So yes, knowledge. It it's like hunting dogs know how to hunt, and and it's instinct. It's just there's something inherent in your being.
4: And because you have that instinct, you're able to build on that. And this is what an AI chip is. It has that ability to learn on its own. Fascinating. So that's I, I know I know that's why you're quiet because this if you and can imagine you know.
1: with my non
4: smart
7: <laughs> chips. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you know what's gonna happen, right? you there There's at some time in the future and not that far off you'll be able to put a chip inside some pork on your body and all whoa, 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 whoa,
1: whoa, 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 fresh they've already done this though not, not we, I know they have okay, but or, but they they've already started putting chips into to brains and and from a medical perspective that is where yes. it has started hey can we get rid of epilepsy can we by adding a chip They've already started working on that, and they're already putting chips in. We'll 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 leave some of the the subjective conversation out of that, but that that technology sure. already exists.
4: It does, and but, but if you if you put a chip in a body that then learns, what does that mean?
1: Well, and and one of the places that they're really doing a lot of experimenting with it is. Um, spinal cord injuries and, and paralysis yeah. and, and, uh, huge, can, huge advances in that space. Can, can, you, have, can, can you put it, a in advances? Can you put a smart chip in it and somebody who's been paralyzed has the ability to walk again? So a lot and, of, go ahead. Well, it, I was just to say the, uh,
4: you, it, did you see the CES interview that I did with the bionic hand? Yes. And this That's person amazing. thinks and then is able to shake somebody's hand or or grab a glass of water or whatever by just thinking this. Right. But at the same time, uh, in that interview, you, you see me holding a board and he actually puts his hand through this board that took a lot of courage on my part, by the way, because I'm like, if he's off like a half of the edge, I'm going to lose a finger here myself, you know? So, uh, but, it's interesting that you know these things, but you know you are you and I are so in control of that. I, I don't know what it means when you have a chip that you put in your body someplace that actually starts to learn, and and I would imagine for the most part it's a good thing, you know. But there there might be that Terminator thing. This is where this gets kind of scary to me. I'm usually very optimistic, as you know about these things. This gets kind of scary to me. So, how do you feel, Steve, about having a chip implant than artificial
1: intelligence? No, no, no. If I, 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 no, I, I, I tell you what, and we've had this conversation in the past. I'm not even good with a chip for. Hey, here's your financial information for a debit card, or here's your uh, medical records, or I'm not even good with that at the. <laughs> All right. Movie well, let go record thing for a second. The, the bar- yeah. barcode with the movie Idiocracy. I'm not going down that road. I can't. Bless you.
4: Thank you. So, if you have an accident and you're unable to speak, and they can scan you for your medical records to find out what else is going on with you, there's value to that, of course. And that's how they're going to sell have. you on this. So that little bit of fear of having, you know, that that time when nobody would know, you know, what's going on if 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 the first responder could scan your hand or something like that, and it would show that you're diabetic or that you're you have cancer or whatever, and they, they would treat you a little bit differently then because you're in a car accident. I mean, that really is how they're going to sell us on this technology. Just just bringing it up for you to think about.
1: Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I, so, I, I, that, that's my line in the sand. It's like I- implanting... Uh, now, different if, say, you were in a car accident and you were paralyzed, and you're going to gain the ability to walk again with a medical implant of a chip. That's a different... But that's after the fact. Yeah. That's after the fact. Leading right. up to that fact, I get a hard time doing anything along those lines. Like, just leading what up
4: to the, that... This is. This is what this means, right? So you start, you start putting that implant in your hand, for example, and then a myriad of other things are going to be possible with that, and that's what we have to discuss here.
0: The Tech Ranch. New name. New brands, Back with The Tech Ranch. Getting ready for more amazing tech insights from the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson. When you have a chip
4: in your hand, and let's say you put it in for medical reasons, it's like a convenience thing. After that, then they'll come out and say, "Hey, you already have the chip in your hand. We can program that now so that you can pay for things. We can we can link it to your Visa card or your American Express card." And you're like, "Well, I already got the chip in
1: my hand already, so uh, okay, that'd be cool." Or I can now wave my hands. The only chip I want in my hand is the one that's going into the Buffalo dip. <laughs> But you see where I'm going with this, right? I do.
4: I mean, there's a progression. There's a progression. You're going to, you're going to do this because of something that you, and and generally speaking, I'm going to say that you probably have something going on with you medically, right? And you're like, all right. And and the hospital or the doctor or some commercial that you see or whatever is going to say, hey, you should have this put into your hand or wherever. And, and, uh, then you know, anytime it doesn't matter that if you, if you, if you're wearing a necklace or a bracelet or a watch, if these things are removed from your body, it doesn't matter because it's going to be implanted in your body now and they can scan you to get this information. And then you're like, Oh, okay. That would be, that'd be easy. Right. I don't have to say my birth date every time I go through medical stuff. Cause every person you talk to, they ask you for your birthday. You could scan your hand, Right. Well, then when you have that, then what's, what happens next? You're going to say, well, I could pay for my coffee every morning by scanning my hand. I could turn the lights on in a room by scanning my hand. I could start my car by scanning my hand. And then the government or whoever else, and I don't mean to be a conspiracy, conspiracy theorist here, uh, or anybody else. And I want to get to the anybody else would now have all this information, even more information about you than you could care to imagine.
1: Yeah, no. <laughs> it's like I, I, I just there's a line there, there. There's to me, it's the line between humanity and machines, and I I can't cross that line. It's different if it's an after the fact medical issue, but leading up to that, no. I I I I'm I'm not sure I want to live in that society where it, it's I need things to do if. And if I'm too lazy to pull out my credit card and scan the chip in my credit card to pay for the gas at the gas pump that I, I, there's a lot of different layers. to onion. There's a lot of layers. Yeah. The chip would be, the chip would in my hand would be good in onion dip too.
4: And that's probably where yours would end up.
1: I probably, can you tell I'm hungry? (laughs) And, so
4: last year I was, uh, um, took family to Disney World, you know, and I'm going through the line. I don't know if I've ever told you this. I don't know if anybody's been, been taken aback by this, but they take your thumbprint. They fingerprint really? you when you go into, yeah, yeah, to you, Disney, you put your thumb to Disney, Disneyland or Disney World or both. So I haven't been to Disneyland, so I don't know. It was Disney World and Epcot Center and, and they it. scan your thumbprint. And, and what they say is that this this uh, lessens the chance for your pass this the, to be sold off. Like if you went for half a day, they used to have a big business down there. You go for three hours because you bought a week-long pass to Epcot Center and Disney World and whatever, right? And then you could go and hand it off to somebody else or sell it to a broker that then sells it at a great discount. You can't do that anymore because that pass is, is actually uh, synced to your thumbprint. So, Imagine how many fingerprints Disney has. Wow. And how do we feel about a corporation who has that kind of information about us? No.
1: No. 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 This is, is this, okay. We're not going to Disney World now. No. Unless I was, uh, um, Tom Cruise's character in Mission Impossible where you can put the little fake. Yeah, but just you you just paid you just paid $800 for your week pass to go to all the Disney. Oh, oh, okay, there, wait, wait. Right? Let's back up for one second. First of all, that's not going to happen. Okay. <laughs> there, well, there, let's it, say you
4: did. But, okay, let's... I there. understand where you're going. Let's say you did, or anything. You know, what do you like to do, Steve? You like to go to dog shows. So you paid $800 to go to this convention for dogs, right? You show up. And in order for you to get in, you have to give them a thumbprint. Would that stop you from going to the dog show? It
1: would. It would. Wow. Okay. Here's the thing. Culturally right now, it would in 15 years from now, if that's the cultural norm, you got to remember people have to ease into things. You, You have to ease people into comfort levels. Now, gen z uh, gen whatever it is right now um they're more compliant than folks our age why is that so because they've, they've been with this they've been cumed into that they've been yeah. conditioned to be more receptive to oh hey i'm gonna get a chip in my arm and my medical records are gonna be there or i have to get right a film and they're gonna love it to, yeah they're gonna love it hey technology is cool because they were told the technology is cool. hey again, not foil hat, but there's you know that adage when it takes in sociology it takes seven generations to change a culture. That's what this is with technology it it takes multiple generations to change a culture. Um, talk to a a, a Vietnam veteran. Ask them how compliant they are about, hey, I'm going to put this chip in your arm, or you or I, we're going to put this chip in your arm, or yeah. a, a 20-year-old who's probably not going to think anything of it. But but it, it, exactly it there's, right varying, there's varying degrees. It takes multiple generations to change a culture. The technology side of this, it's the same path. It's the same road. It, you're not going to go overnight, hey, everybody, we're going to put a chip in you. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> but in 20 years or a generation 20 years younger or 40 years younger or uh, there's a difference in compliance, there's a difference in mindset on the ability to go, "Oh, yeah, that's a good idea." Well,
4: we've lived through one of those, and that's or two of them actually, internet and cell phones. Yeah. Well, I, I still mean, in my mind, I, but. Well, right. But, you know, like my mom, for example, you know, up until three years ago, still didn't have internet. And then there was something that finally came along, and it was my daughter going out there and talking about Netflix. And my mom complaining about the cost of cable television. And then she's like, well, what do you mean I can. And so. I actually put the Internet in her house for the first time three years ago so she could watch Netflix. It wasn't about computers or anything. And now she's on the computer and she's using Alexas and all this other stuff, right?
1: My mother-in-law, when my wife and and brother and uh, other sister-in-law, they got her a a tablet, uh, an iPad for Christmas. She was infuriated. Biggest waste of money. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. I, no, I don't want this. Don't, no, take it back. But you think you can pry it out of her hands now? Nope. (laughs) Uh, But, but, but now my father-in-law, who is not technologically savvy, um, he's got one and and you can't get his away from him either. So it just takes time for technology to catch on and and those are great examples of crossing generational lines. So it's not necessarily that younger that next generation that is amenable to a chip, but it's okay, you can you can get somebody to where they need to be. But sometimes it might not be where you want to go. And that's the thing. Just because we can
4: do it doesn't mean we should, right? Hold on a second, that was the nine
0: the Tech Ranch. Super Talk 12. Where technology is our passion. Let's jump back into the conversation with Marlo and Steve.
4: Desalination system could produce fresh water that is cheaper than tap water. Wow. So, this has been a big deal for a long time. And I know this is something yeah. you know a lot about. Yeah. You know the challenges, and everybody talks about this. You know we have a water shortage, and you know, the water shortage for a lot of places, like California. I mean, it's along the coast. You can see water, but you can't drink
1: it. California does not have a water it's problem, all it? They have a people problem. They have too many well, people for the. East. Well, okay, um, okay, but but they've floated ideas of, and desalinization has been extremely expensive. Um, but they do yeah. do it in in like Dubai and Saudi Arabia, wealthy oil countries over in the Middle East not a problem they do it because and it's expensive but they still do it uh there's been crazy ideas about floating icebergs down to california to just to get fresh water I, but th- that's how far but that's how valuable water I, is. i want to be the captain of an iceberg i, I, I want to be a captain like, of the of the iceberg. don't, don't back down drive it. Is, it is that tug going to be called the titanic i, I don't know uh, <laughs> but look what's going on right now on the on the mississippi river Uh, For some strange, perfect storm of events, they're getting salt water flowing up the Mississippi River. And now they're concerned about water intakes that are going to be inundated with salt water right now. Well, but if you can make water out of salt water, again, that that's a kind of a crazy scenario going on. But they're concerned about New Orleans even. Uh, with the yeah. salt water backing up the the Mississippi River because it's going so far back upstream with the tides. Um, right, right. If, if you have a, a desalinization anywhere on the coast, a desalinization plant that is making water off the salt water, you're not going to run into some of those issues. But affordable desalinization, that's been like a unicorn thing for a long time. So this is how it works. It's a device. The configuration of the device allows water to circulate
4: in swirling eddies in a manner similar to the much larger thermal haline circulation of the ocean. This circulation, combined with the sun's heat, drives water to evaporate, leaving salt behind. The resulting water vapor can then be condensed and collected as pure, drinkable water. In the meantime, the leftover salt continues to circulate through and out of the device rather than accumulating and clogging the system. And that's always been the big deal with these systems, is that the salt eventually clogs them up too, so then they have to go clean them out and all this other stuff. Um, And this is a passive solar system. So this is really interesting. It could produce 4 to 6 liters of drinking water per hour and last several years before requiring replacement parts. So, I mean, this is even, it an estimate that the system is scaled up to the size of a small suitcase. So this, a small suitcase can make four to six liters of drinking water an hour.
1: Okay. So look so at it from it an can infrastructure. Scale that up, dude. Yeah. Look, look at yeah. this from an infrastructure perspective. So, uh, you know, the old adage and, and we're in an oil patch in, in North Dakota. It, you know, water's for, for fighting. Whiskey's for drinking, water's for fighting. That's the old adage because water's water's valuable. Water's extremely valuable no matter where you're at. So now if you've got the ability to produce enough water for your personal consumption in a briefcase or a small suitcase, look at the cost that it incurs for water treatment facilities for communities. But I can have one in my house that's going to do everything I need in a much cheaper, well, have salt water scalable fashion. Well, you're right. But the ability to produce potable water, the ability to potable water in a, a small situation like that, wow. I, I mean, there's other aspects besides just the desalinization side of this. And those would be... Well, so, say I'm traveling through the desert, and... You perspire. Okay, think of the movie Dune.
4: Oh yeah, or or, or, uh, or. even even, uh but Dune, yeah, would be Doom
1: okay. Be so the suit collects your perspiration. What's your perspiration? Salt, salt water. So now salt you've water. got yeah. drinking water produced off of your own perspiration, which is salt water. So if you're in a desert or a, an arid climate where see where i'm going with this yeah it's it's actually
4: there's a lot of possibilities with this there's no doubt about it and of course coast coastal areas uh are the first things that come to mind but there's all kinds of other areas i mean even third world countries that that don't have decent drinking water uh this this could be this could be life-saving for people and i you know this it might not even be about um desalination because this is actually using you know it, it it actually um i'm thinking of the not coming up with the right word right now but it it allows the sun to evaporate the water right so the water vapor is condensed and uh oh what am i thinking i cannot think of the word here. help me out man
1: evaporate you're now. not helping me out at all are you i know i'm not. no i'm letting you twist it it. my brain <laughs> You sound- I, and I'm doing a great
4: job, aren't I? Holy oh, oh, goodness! Office. All oh, right. No anyway, I know. We're dee, 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 dee.
1: Thank you. Now I'm gonna stew on it. Oh, we're just
4: we're just uh, it's a it's a it's a type of uh, purified water, distilled. Distilled.
7: Oh.
4: I I was thinking
1: decanted. <laughs> this is but, yeah distilled.
4: This is a distillation process, basically uh, using. Uh, ocean water or, or salt water right but you could still use the distillation process for, on the Nile for example I mean how many people drink water from the Nile that gets sick because it's polluted beyond belief but yet if you ever watch videos people still go down to the water every morning to get their drinking water to get their bathing water and then they throw the bathing water back into the river so people downstream get to drink that and do whatever right so that's the challenge there. And, but if you could have something in a suitcase size type of device that you could make four to six liters of water an hour in the sunlight, are you kidding yeah. me?
7: Yeah.
4: I, I, it's, I mean, this is a big deal.
1: It's huge. It's absolutely huge. So when you're looking at the, the possibilities for, you know, fresh water, um, think of your church with mission trips, you know, it's, it's a, what what do they do? Yeah. They dig a well. North Dakota National Guard. Yeah, so, that's exactly right. What do they do? They dig a well. You know, they're they're trying to get fresh drinking water. That's the first thing to check off the box. That's exactly right.
4: And you know, it's it's interesting to me as you know, I'm fascinated with sunlight, and I've always thought about this. Why why is it that uh, you know the sun evaporates so much water off the ocean all the time anyway? I mean, all you have to do is look at hurricanes to understand that. And why we haven't come up with something like this sooner has baffled me because I always thought that it would be pretty easy to tap into the sun power and just direct the water vapor somehow. And then you could have a way to, you know, have drinkable water almost immediately because the salt stays behind. It doesn't, you know, when it's evaporating it doesn't go up through the water vapor. So it just leaves it behind. And and to me, this is, and this is a natural process. That's the other thing about this. This happens anyway. It's a passive scenario here because this water is going to evaporate anyway. Sometime in this water's life. In fact, the water on the planet has evaporated uh, and been many, many other things. We've cooked it with it. We've peed with it. We've done all of this, right? We survived because of water. And it's been recycled over and over and over again. We're just helping that recycling process along. That's what I love about this.
1: Did you ever do that science project back in middle school or, or you, where you make a, a desalinization plant? Uh, you take some clear plastic, and this is actually a survival tip um, for people that may be stranded in a, a lifeboat at sea. You can make fresh water. Um, you... Put the container of water down, you put clear plastic over it, you put a rock in there, uh, the ability for it to evaporate because as it heats up, it collects on the surface and the salt gets left behind. But you know, at that drip point, you put another cup in the middle of the container, and what goes into that cup? Fresh water. So desalinated water on a very small scale, but it, that's how people have survived in lifeboats for 30 days or 60 days uh, out adrift on the ocean. It, it, it's just a survival trick.
4: And why, we have, why haven't we made like huge units that do this? This this is baffling to me, Steve. I've never heard of this before, uh, but it certainly makes sense. And, yeah, I mean, we, it, we, we could have these huge collectors that that
1: unbelievable. It, 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 i'm all, all right though. all we're talking is scalability yeah that's exactly
4: right exactly right the ability to on well, anyway, a, a large scale yeah i'm very excited about this you know and and uh you know i know we haven't talked a lot about our little project uh with co2 and solar power as well or sunlight i should say i can't say solar power but that's a passive system as well to to, uh, convert CO2. So I love these type of inspirations and, and, uh, the sun has a lot of power to it. Uh, obviously, I mean, it, it powers our weather, uh, in power. And in fact, you literally could say that the energy we have on our planet, whether it's an oil, coal, nuclear, all of it is because of the sun. You
1: know, sometime or another, the sun has created this stuff so yes anyway you talk you talk about passive systems and you get excited about passive systems well what is a passive system it's something that occurs already in nature so it's a natural system that's what passive systems are anything you create that's a exactly passive interaction um you've got different components that are um integrating and it's a passive system it, it's stuff that occurs in nature every day and then it's just a question of scalability. That's all
4: it is. It's all it is. So I'm really excited about this. and uh, I hope that, so these are engineers at MIT uh, that are working on this and And uh, I wish them all the best. I think this this could have significant ramifications for the entire
1: planet. So a couple so I wanted
4: to see this con- a
1: couple of weeks ago, the word of the day was sphere. Now it's distillation. Yeah. distillation (laughs) another word of the week folks distillation I don't have
4: any problems saying distillation I just couldn't think of the word right away is all okay maybe the word's Reuters different thing Reuters that that is true Reuters readers probably not enjoying my my, my pronunciation of Reuters we'll just stick stick with sphere (laughs) I like sphere that's good I've seen a lot of that lately I'm really tired of the traffic around that darn
1: thing. By the way, I, I saw a news story on on the Sphere in Las Vegas, and uh, holy crap! Is it safe to say that's the number one tourist attraction in Las Vegas right now?
4: I, I I would have to say that, you know, especially since you can't even get to the fountains anymore because they're getting geared up for Formula One and whatever. But there's no doubt. I drove by last night, two hours before the U2 concert. And it's, it was, they were, there are already thousands of people just wandering around it. And this is during the daylight and it looks okay during the day. Uh, but what's interesting is that it's two spheres, right? It's the big one that wraps around the smaller one on the inside. And during the day, you can actually, the sunlight actually comes through it because it's, it's not solid. It's just these rows of, of LED lights that are puck size, hockey puck size. And... You know, when you stand away from it, like a television screen or a movie screen, you stand away from it. You don't see them. But if you're really close to the screen, you can see the little LED lights on on your television screen, for example. That's exactly what this is.
1: It's like being able to go of pixels.
4: Yeah, that's exactly what this is. But but the pixels are hockey puck size on right. that thing. That's that's amazing about this. Uh, but yeah, it's it's simply stunning. And you know there, are, there's no doubt. I mean, them, the, I've never seen so many images come out of Vegas as I am seeing right now on social media, and it's all because of, you know, you can be anywhere almost in the valley and see the darn thing. It's just stunning, and and the imagery they put on it is amazing too. I mean, I had a there's a jack o' lantern that they've been playing on at the last few nights, and you know, I think it's the 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 great pumpkin is back. You know, Charlie Brown was right. I'm just telling you. Charlie Brown was right. Yes. Any other tourists with thinking it's a moon? I haven't run into that, but it, it that one did actually. I don't know if I shared that with everybody, but I was behind some some people a couple weeks ago, and walking, and the one the one gal goes, and obviously first timers to Las Vegas, and she's like, "I didn't know the moon was so amazing here in Las Vegas," and I'm just like. <laughs> But we were a little ways away from this, you know, and it was big, but it wasn't like huge, huge, right? So I could see where she got tricked into thinking that this was the moon coming up, but it was amazing to hear her say that.
0: The Tech Ranch. Super Talk 12. The Tech Ranch. Let's get back to discovering the latest in technology with the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson. In a scientific
4: breakthrough, scientists have created brain tissue using human stem cells through 3D printing. The advancement holds promise for a potential future applications in treating brain injuries.
1: Three d printing. your
4: thoughts, Steve? of brain tissue
1: brain tissue okay, okay, you and I have talked about well, okay, the thing with three d printing, and we've talked about building houses or buildings and and different. it's about the medium that goes into the three d printer. That that's right. Okay. What it's about. What so? What are the building blocks you can utilize? So, stem cells to build brain tissue. I never would have thought that was possible with a three D printer. I mean, just from a so how do you get that into the printer to use as a medium? I'm I'm thinking the delivery method of that. It's fun, it's fascinating.
4: So I had an interview with a doctor three or four years ago already on on this show. And we were talking about his printing of a of an ear, and I'm like, "Okay, did you?" And I I was taking him through the process. I'm like, "Did you have your patient come in? Did you measure the person for like the size of the ear, take a DNA sample, and then have your patient come back in like six weeks?" And he goes, "Nope, he was in that morning, and we put the ear on that afternoon." And I'm like, Whoa. how is how is that even possible? I mean, I'm I'm I was just stunned when he said that. So what they do is they have a, a gelatinous mixture ready to go. They take a DNA sample, they put that DNA sample in this in this gel, and then it multiplies, and then they use that to make basically skin with cartilage in
1: there, and they print that out. So is so, it kind of like the, I'll, the, the liquid that Neo comes out of in the matrix? <laughs> <laughs> you
4: cracked me up with your movie references. Just, That's really good though. So my I guess get to me, though that everything. because it does, there's no doubt this process that I just explained probably works here. I'm For the first time, the University of Oxford researchers showcased that neurocereal cells can be 3D printed to replicate the structure of the brain's outer layer, the
1: cerebral Cerebellum. I
4: should have less. I should have more sleep, yes. Or more caffeine. Uh, The cerebral cortex or more caffeine. I haven't had caffeine yet. You're absolutely right. The cerebral cortex is the brain's outer layer, so... Anyway, my guess is they have already some type of gel that they put uh, human stem cells in, and then that's what creates this. Uh, That's my best guess. But this accomplishment marks a significant advancement in the realm of neural tissue engineering. And I can't imagine the amount of possibilities here for.
1: You're a busy guy, right? Right? You're you're busy. Some days, yeah. Oh, okay. So if you were able to 3D print a clone of you, <laughs> but look where this technology can lead to. I mean, it'll it'll get there, right?
4: You're going to tell me right now that you don't think cloning of human beings is possible and has already been done. We just don't really know about it. Well,
1: look at Dolly. We cloned a sheep for goodness sake. Yeah, yeah. We exactly. cloned a sheep. And that and, went, what? 15 years ago already well and that technology came out of some of the technology that was done over in france where they cloned an ear on the back of a rat it actually know one of the scientists that was a chemical engineer that was part of that project and she she filled me in on a little bit of it it was like fascinating stuff but how long before you're able to replicate an entire human being because I, i or 3d print an entire human being with The intelligence or your brain material or you know by the way just to go back again science fiction remember the episode of star trek the original series with rock the big guy and they they were cloning people they were going to clone captain kirk oh yeah 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 Yeah. see it's been around there we go Been around you know the thing that i love about
4: the the 3d printing scenario for humans is organ transplant. Yes. And, and I had a conversation with a company whose 3d that, that that's their goal is to 3d print human organs. And they've had some success. Uh, I haven't checked on them in two years, but I interviewed them two years ago and it was just fascinating. And they anticipated that within 10 years, the, the organ transplant donor program would become obsolete.
1: Well, look how far down that list is huge. I mean, and unfortunately, you have to wait for a tragedy before somebody can get filled on that list. So whether it's a car car or or some, you know, that donor list, whether it's eyes, heart, lungs, kidneys, any of it, um, go a step further too. take a look at veterans and and war injuries or people that lose a limb and the ability to, Okay, you lost an arm, but we're going to get you a new one and you and i've had this conversation on the six million dollar man side of it with the bionics but no you, what if they were able to 3d print your arm back uh, a, a farmer that's lost it in a combine accident or a bailing accident we can give you your arm back i mean it's yeah, not that I, far I, away I think those are all just amazing things i'm not so
4: sure about limbs as I am more about organs, you know, like your liver or kidneys or potentially maybe heart. I mean, that's that's really yeah. But you're right. I mean, at some point that will probably happen. I mean, even in the, even in Star Wars, you know, when you're talking about, I mean, there's that scene with Luke Skywalker, right, when he has his arm chopped off, and then they the next scene he's already they're in a, a medical facility and it's being put back. I'm mean, not not being put back on with some type of
1: new limb. But that was robotic. So now started. It was robot. robotic, but it was it right? Right. But now start thinking about the. We were talking about chips and AI chips and smart chips. Now look at the the nanotechnology, the nanobots that. Okay, go in and and by the way, all these neural pathways. Here's the 3D printed limb that was severed. It lost in an accident or whatever the case may be, yep. and now we're able to three D print that arm back or that foot back, yep. and then now you've got nanobots on a cellular or molecular level that's re- really able to recreate those neural pathways. Yeah, and
4: yeah, there's there's all kinds of possibilities here. And what I love about your conversation right now is that we are at an at a time that we think anything's possible. It is.
1: And I I, think that's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I don't recall ever living in a time where legitimately you could go, um, free flow thoughts and it's possible. Yeah.
4: I, I I think I, I, I truly do. I believe that we're in an, we're at a time right now where if you can come up with a concept that there's at least people would believe that there's a way to get to that and i think it's amazing i mean you know 20 years ago that wasn't possible because i mean just just cell phone technology was was becoming a thing and i i just think that because people are so immersed in, in technology that anything now
0: is possible And that's a wrap on another fantastic episode of The Tech Ranch. Remember, if you have any questions or want to suggest topics for future shows, visit thetechranch.com and send us your thoughts. You can also listen to past episodes and watch exclusive interviews not featured on the radio show. Be sure to follow Marlo and Steve on social media by clicking the links at thetechranch.com. Until next time, keep exploring the world of living with technology.
1: The Tech Ranch. Super Talk 12.